coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. And we're here this week to wrap up the Oscars. Because guess what, folks? We did it. We saw all the Oscars films, both of us, and we watched the ceremony. We're here to talk about it. We are. That's very exciting. That's very, very exciting. (laughs) I gotta say... (laughs) That last week was rough. It was it was Thing, really difficult. <laughs> things were bad. I literally for some of the days of like that last week, I watched like four movies a day. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, it would be like 1 a.m. Like, I can't go to sleep yet. I have to watch another movie. <laughs> and that's just a bad place to be. But you know what? We're here to do the difficult things to do what's needed to provide the content that we promise the content you're welcome folks we did it this isn't out of any sort of desperate need to feel like you've accomplished anything this is for you folks this is all for you so it's all all for you all for you i was gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah, you're right. It's for our fans, our adoring fans, our loving millions of fans. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Uh-huh. I did feel accomplished, <laughs> I gotta say. And so even if it was for a false sense of accomplishment, it worked. So um, I can lie to myself as much as I want when it works. If, if I believe yeah. the lies, it's fine. <laughs> so your reality is whatever you able to convince yourself you believe. So this is a there you go. crushing <laughs> indictment of the U.S. political system right now, apparently. So. All right. So before we get into that, though, let's talk about some of these movies. Uh, I don't want to talk about necessarily all of these because, oh, my God, this week was chock full of films. Yeah. Um, but we're going to touch on some of the big ones, some of the ones that we found the most interesting. Yeah. And I want to start off with Tenet. Actually, okay. Um, I watched this early on, so you'll have to sort of. I watched it when like it first hit video on demand, and like Christopher Nolan didn't want it to be seen. And um, was it on HBO Max? It wasn't on HBO Max, right? Or am I making? I think it's on HBO Max now. Like that was the whole thing. There's like it was going to be on HBO Max, but it was after the ceremony. Yeah, I think because I think I had to pay for it. Like I think I had to rent it. I mean, I had to. Yeah, I had to rent it on demand, and it was expensive. Wait, if it's on H, if it's on HBO Max, I wouldn't have to pay for it now because I have HBO Max. But what I'm saying is, (laughs) it's on HBO Max now. It wasn't before. It was like oh, when you watched it, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the same deal that they did with Judas and the Black Messiah, where it's on for a limited time. And this one, I think it should be on HBO Max now. So if you're listening to this right now, in May, it should be on HBO Max. It was not at the time of the ceremony. It's definitely so. streaming somewhere because it keeps being suggested for me on my Hulu. So it's like, okay, and, so and granted, I have who Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's through, I think that means it's HBO, but it's hard for me to say because I 
a lot of my like movie channels are through my Hulu subscription. So it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say. Yeah. So anyway, go, go watch this movie on HBO max or wherever you're able to find it. Uh, I actually surprisingly, I wouldn't say surprisingly, but I will say I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. That's I heard so much stuff. I would think you would about like how, conf- <laughs> yeah. About how like confusing and crazy this is. And I like, I say I normally like Christopher Nolan films, Yeah, but for this, what I was like, has he gone too far this no. time? I'd, and I the w- answer, folks, is no. He is not. It's not too confusing or hard to follow or anything like that. Anybody who says that that's the problem with this movie is missing. Like, I do not have a problem with that. I thought this is one of his lesser movies because I just think it's kind of boring. And like, like it's just like, <laughs> like I don't know. Like, it's not hard to follow. It was just like not that interesting. Like I was like bored for a lot of the runtime. Like I was like, I don't really oh. know what like I'm supposed to be that invested in right now. I just thought it was like a, a really interesting exercise in exploring one specific mechanic of storytelling. And this being like the, the folded timeline, um, which was kind of unusual. It reminded me a lot of primer, but a lot, easier to understand than primer <laughs> yes you know what i'm talking definitely about definitely easier to understand the primer i yeah i mean i do think it's interesting on that front i didn't dislike the movie i you know it's it's a you know at the end of the day it's a nolan movie i'm probably going to like it to some extent right um mm-hmm. but i i liked it i just didn't think it was his his best you know and it no nah. i guess i think a part of it is probably expectations like you know, there was a huge fuss about this movie for so long. And then I sat down to watch it and it was sort of like, okay, well that was that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, maybe part of it is just like my expectations were a bit high, but yeah. I mean, I think part of the difference here is that like, I just like when I knew that I couldn't see it in theaters, I just kind of gave up on it. And then when I realized I had to watch it for the Oscars, I was like, all right, I guess I'm watching this at home and we'll see how it is. And I can definitely see where it would have been more entertaining in IMAX so yes. on a big screen. I think I but would I have much think... preferred it in, on a big screen. Yeah. Yeah. But I still think that there was a lot to to like there, obviously. Um, the sound mix, as many people have complained, was very difficult to get through. It was bad. I don't it know was, what it uh... is. <laughs> Maybe it's just the the like that it sounds better in IMAX, but not on your home screen or something. But I literally had to turn on the subtitles. I was like five minutes in. And I'm like, I'm just turning on the subtitles so I don't have to worry about this the rest of the time. Because yeah. I kept cranking up the volume into, so I could hear the dialogue until the windows were r- literally rattling yeah. during like the big soundtrack moments. I'm almost like, this is not a fun way to watch movie. So I just turned no. on the subtitles and turned it down to a reasonable volume. And then it was fine. So uh, I don't know what the deal is with that, but uh, I'm glad this one didn't win best sound. <laughs> it would have been not deserved. It would have been yeah. a lot like um, Bohemian Rhapsody winning best editing. <laughs> best editing. <laughs> Truly the most perplexing win of our time. Um, but other than that, like, I like the story. I like the characters. You know, I, I wouldn't say they were the most fleshed out or interesting. And the dialogue was a little weird, but I also thought it fit the story that they were trying to tell. I just thought that uh, overall, it was the kind of thing where if you if you don't try to think about it too hard, 
you actually enjoy it quite a bit. Yes. So um, I think that is very a very important note, actually. If you try to overthink it, things start... First of all, the movie, the, the internal logic of the movie kind of starts to fall apart if you prod it too hard. It's just the nature of the beast when we're talking about weird, like, time warp bendy things. Like, often those things fall apart. This is no exception to that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, it definitely is like, mm, I don't know that this makes sense, but thank you. Thank you for trying, uh, Chris. Uh, I don't know if he wants yeah. to be called Chris, so apologies. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I think that's very important. If you sort of just go in and like want to just like watch it and not have to think too hard about it and like enjoy like the sort of like visual spectacle of it, although it's like a visual spectacle more for people who maybe know who like watch like for film technique more in general. It's not the same as Inception where it was just like anybody could sit down and be like, what the fuck? Like at every yeah. given visual, you know, it wasn't, it's not like it was that crazy, it, like folding cities and stuff. It wasn't yeah. that over the top. Yeah. But this the visuals of like all the backwards action and stuff playing against the forwards action. It's really was, cool. <laughs> and it's really good. It's just maybe not something that's going to like enthrall, like, you know, it's not going to throw like your Marvel movie goer, your average Marvel movie goer, the same way Inception also enthralled your average Marvel movie goer. You know what I mean? Like right, it's not, right. it, and it's not designed to, and that's fine. But um, you know, it's just it is a little bit different on that front. And and Nolan doesn't have to make things that appeal to the Marvel movie goer. I'm not trying to say he does. So that's not a critique. Um, it's just you know. It's not the same as Inception. If you go in, so you kind of have to go in thinking this. I I can. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't want to say go in and like turn your brain off or whatever, but like at the same time, it's like, yeah. go in and like dial your brain back. Like, pretend, like, I don't know, maybe pretend you're watching an episode of game of Thrones where like the subtext isn't really like, there's no subtext. It's all text. Like, you know, don't, you don't have to think too hard, but it's going to look really cool. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be still technically very great, but it's not like, you know, I don't know. It's not like fucking yeah. watching. I don't know whatever but <laughs> that's a good that's a good point though it's not like a turn your brain off kind of movie because I, I generally hate like the idea that you should have to turn your brain off to enjoy a movie it's not like that but what you say about like it's all text is absolutely like the best way to characterize it and it's the same way that i thought like when parasite came out and that's a very different kind of movie yeah. but it's the same sort of thing like don't think about it too hard. Don't be trying to like read in all sorts of meaning and stuff. It's all on the screen. Yeah. You just have to watch it yeah. and you'll understand it. It's not right. very complicated. Yes. Yes. I just mean and to say I, that it's not as bombastic as some movies. So when I say that, like you don't have to think too hard about it, it's not like, it's not like an inception or like an iron man. Like it's not like those things were like explosions in your face every two seconds. It's not that sort of thing. So, okay. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, Inception, I really liked. I thought John David Washington was really good. Very good, yeah. Edward I Cullen really was him, really yeah. good. Edward Cullen. Um, We're just going to call him Edward Cullen. <laughs> I'm just calling him Edward Cullen. Uh, <laughs> we no, are he's like so much... friends of our pats on this pod. We're like... <laughs> he, our pat, he's so much bigger than that. I'm, yeah. I, I love you, our pats. We're just joking. Um, but, yeah, like, the, uh, like all the acting was really fun. Yeah. Uh, I really liked... The, uh, the camaraderie between the two like leads them, especially at the end, which I don't want to give away, but like, I really like the ending yeah. and um, yeah, it was just overall like a fun, enjoyable film yeah. and with some really cool, unusual action 
and uh, an interesting look at time travel, which is all is treated completely differently by almost every filmmaker. And yet it's always new ways to explore it. Yes. Well, of course it's, com- it's treated differently because it's not a real thing that we, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I did like it. I did like it. I, you know, it wasn't like my favorite thing ever, but I did enjoy it. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I think it, I think it has gotten both an overrated reputation. Like there are people who are like, and those are like the Nolan fanboys, (laughs) the people who think that the dark Knight is like the best film that has ever been made in the entire history of the world. Um, Those people who are like a bit much for me. And then there's also the people who like, gave it two stars on letterboxd and we're like oh my god this is so it's like okay we're both wrong here can we just shut up for like two seconds like i do think the discourse (laughs) around nolan has sort of overshadowed and that's fair the discourse his discourse the discourse around when this movie came out he did some stupid shit that he said some stupid shit that's a very real thing but like the movie itself is still a perfectly like it's a good movie it may not be like yes. the best movie or the greatest, you know, but it's a good movie. It's not bad by any means. So saying that it's bad is like very ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, good, good job on this one. Uh, if you like the kind of time travel scene in this movie, but you want to see it done like way more nerdily, go check out Primer. Um, Cause it's, it's the only other movie that I'd say would have a similar time travel mechanic except you don't get to like run around the world while you're doing it you have to like sit in a box um but it's much more interesting <laughs> than that it's a very unusual time travel movie um i just always like to plug that one so um <laughs> why don't we talk about another visual effects nominee um the one and only ivan ah! yeah okay let's do it um <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, so We're yeah, covering all the movies movie, that I got to long before you. Um, <laughs> this movie was bad. It's bad. It's and, a bad movie. It's one of the it few like a... just outright bad films that was nominated for an Oscar this year. Yeah. I can't think of any other movie that I just straight up did not enjoy watching this can, year. Usually can, there's a couple, but I straight up okay. did not enjoy watching Pinocchio, but I think it's not bad the same way. Um, I liked I did not Pinocchio en- a I did lot not, more than you did. <laughs> I did not enjoy watching Pinocchio. That doesn't mean I thought it was bad, but I did not enjoy watching it. We'll get to that. Okay, before. fair uh, enough. We will definitely talk about Pinocchio. Yeah. But yeah, one and only Ivan. Um, I just like, I can't think of anything that I liked about this. And that is hard for me. Yeah. Like I always try to find something to like pump up about any movie, but even like, so this is nominated for visual effects. I didn't even think the visual effects in this movie were that good, especially compared to the other nominees. They were fine. They were just fine. (laughs) Like the only visual effects in this movie of note are like all the animals, which are done in CGI because we can't use real animals movies anymore. Uh, Thanks liberals. Sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they, they're all CGI. And the thing is, they don't look that good. A lot of the times, like, they stand out from the backgrounds. You can tell it's like watching, like, a 90s CGI movie where it's like, okay, yes, this is obviously fake. But okay, I don't think it's like, as bad as a 90s CGI. Because <laughs> um, I think you're, I think you're, um, I think you are 
overrating 90s CGI by okay. saying I just I just mean the fact but that it, it is stands like a, out a 2000 CGI. It's like a okay, two, yes. yeah, like <laughs> it's not Tooth, good. Like but, Scorpion King or something. It, yeah, oh my god, yes. It's like the Scorpion <laughs> King. Um yeah, it's not good. It's bad. It's not pl- it, like I don't know why it got nominated for this. Um Yeah. I hated this movie. I really hated it. And I don't, I, it's hard for me. Like I like even a lot of movies that are very bad. Like <laughs> I will objectively see a movie and be like, this is extremely bad. And I will enjoy the hell out of it. I like a lot of like bad teenage romance dramas and bad D level horror flicks. Oh yeah. <laughs> but this movie, I hated it. It was it was not fun to watch. It looked bad. It was Brian Cranston acting bad. It was like, there was just like nothing redemptive about this film. Like, I was like, what am I like? The themes were bad. Like it was supposed to be about like, Oh, the, the plight of animals in captivity, but it couldn't even get that right. Like, cause it was like, yeah, I don't even know what they're like. I mean, I, I know what they're upset about, but it was like, I'm not even seeing like the actual horrors of animals in captivity here. It's and, and like Brian Cranston is still presented as not. Oh my God. It made me so well, mad. It couldn't commit. It's like they it could wanted, not commit. Yeah. Like, it's like they wanted it to be a feel good movie at the same time that it was like a movie about like how terrible it is when animals are living in captivity. And like, you can't do both. You can't like, you, you have to either show these both. animals like suffering or show them having a good time. And it seemed like mostly like, yeah, they were in cages, but they were like getting up to hijinks and stuff. All they really like, the only really downside was that they like, Oh, I, I wish I was outside, but it didn't seem like they were having a bad time inside. And like, they didn't want to make the Brian Cranston character into a villain either. They just made him like sort of a misguided, uh, like lovable guy yeah and it's like so like why are we supposed to believe that these animals need to be outside i mean obviously they do but the movie sure isn't making a big enough case we might know that we might understand that because we are people who have done other reading outside of the movie but like if i just went into this movie and watched it and didn't have any outside knowledge of like the the absolute nightmare of like animal captivity and circuses and all of that i would just be like i don't understand what the big deal is like they wanted to go outside a little bit more could he not just take them outside sometimes and it'd be okay like like i don't really i like it was complete it made no sense and like so it wasn't making a statement like it thought it was making a statement and on top of that it was like poorly put together like i was like there's just like nothing good about this like this is all terrible and it like it thinks highly of itself and that is the most annoying thing about it is that the movie thinks it's good like oh yeah. that's too bad like <laughs> god <laughs> and the whole thing just sort of meanders between like the start where it's like we've got this zoo circus thing inside a mall and we're introducing all these animals and like that's like the one big scene and then it just sort of like plods along until they get to the end where there's like a big push to get the animals out of there. And then they get out of there and that's it. That's like, there's just so much that happens in between. That's just like nothing. It's nothing. It's literally nothing. God. But, and in the meantime, yeah. you have to watch animals talk. CGI animals have to talk. 
through this whole that's movie. true and i that's, hate it uh, it's i hate an, it so much an underrated bad part of this movie that we haven't emphasized enough yet is just how uniquely horrible it is to see animals talking specifically like with their lips moving and everything and like <laughs> but it like within the world of the movie like they can't even talk to the humans or anything so it's just like I yeah don't know. It, it's, it's i think that's ugh. the annoying thing is that the animals are talking to one another in like human english language and also the humans are speaking human english language and like it's like i don't really understand why that's making any sense none of this makes any sense to me and yet the humans mm-hmm. cannot understand the animals obviously that's the the implication or understanding of the film so i don't really know what we're doing here I don't like that. I, I don't like the lack of internal logic in your talking animal movie. Yeah. Um, it's like the inverse of what made all the latest Planet of the Apes movies so good. Yeah. It's oh. like they, they made the animal world feel like a real place that fit yeah. into the human world. Yeah. As opposed to like just every time the humans aren't on screen, we're in like a different reality. Right. Um, I don't like it. Like, but, are, like yeah. are we supposed to believe that like the animals are sitting there like Ivan is like, making gorilla noises and the, that little elephant is just going like what what's going on like what's actually happening and it doesn't make any sense and like i don't know this is why th- a story like this probably works way better as a book i didn't read the book so i don't want to comment but i gotta say there's probably a reason that this worked as a book and that's because you can do you can get away with that sort of lack of internal logic because you're inside brains of other characters and things like that. It I makes, feel like, yeah, you, you know, you can make a fine book out of this. Yes. Um, it just doesn't doesn't work that well on the screen. Yeah. In my opinion. And you have to watch um, the animals talk. You have to watch the CGI animals talk and they move their mouth like they're speaking human English language, but you know they can't be. And so the lips are trying to line up with actual human words. And it's like, why are we doing this? I hate it so much. God, I hate that shit. Okay. So anyway, All right. I hate well, this movie. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's talk about something a little nicer. Uh, why don't we talk about all the shorts? Cause there's okay. a lot to cover there. there yeah. Um, and hopefully we'll spend at least as much time on all 15 shorts as we did on <laughs> one and only Ivan. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of these as always. As always. So let, let's just, I, I want to talk about the ones that I like best. And if there's any ones that I miss, make sure to bring them up. Sure. Um, so um, for the live action shorts, Two Distant Strangers. Of course. Um, this was kind of a Groundhog Day slash Happy Death Day meets like police brutality yeah. short. Yeah. Um, which could be a difficult line to walk, obviously. Yes. Um, but I thought it came out really well. I This was probably my favorite of the live action shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and spoiler alert, this was the one that ended up winning. That's uh, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I really liked like the premise and I thought that they also went really interesting places with it. Like it could have become very repetitive but they found a few interesting twists to do at the end that I thought made it work really well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I also really like this. I think this is probably my favorite. Um, no, I, I liked a number of the live action shorts. So, um, but I, I really enjoyed, I mean, I don't want to say enjoyed, but I did really like this one. I thought it was very good. I thought, I thought it was 
I mean, for a lot of its runtime, it was also very funny, which worked in its favor. Um, there were there were a lot of laughs in this movie, even though it's about a, a heavy topic, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, the laughs, once it becomes the routine of just police brutality, you know, a white cop killing a black man over and over, it becomes not funny anymore, right? Um, but yeah. a lot of it's, the opening was very funny, and I thought that was very smart to sort of lull you into a sort of like, you know, you had a certain sense of security going into that. If you, if you open with a lot of humor, like, you know, it opens with like a couple after what was obviously like a one night stand, like, you know, and I don't want to say everyone, but I'm pretty sure we can all, or a lot of us can relate to the morning after a one night stand being very awkward. (laughs) And, um, so, you know, it's a very relatable, funny opening. And then it, you know, sort of goes spirals down into this like absolute horror. And so, um, I think they do a good job of being like funny, dark, funny, like really quick. Yeah, they so go back and like, forth oh, really, really shit. well. Uh, it helps that I mean, you know, it's it's the 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 directors of this, Trayvon Free. I mean, he's a comedian, and so you know that helps. He probably helped with a lot of the funny. Martin Desmond Rowe, I don't know as much of uh, his work, I guess, but he's also you know works in film and TV. Um, but you know. They, they really walk that line really well. And they, they do it. I mean, they do a great job of sort of whipping you back and forth because even toward like, there are moments even after you've seen a lot of like horror that are still very funny. And I, I think it works in the movie's favor because it, this could have easily been the sort of movie that was just like, I mean, it is unbearably sad, but also the sort you know, the sort of unbearably sad that isn't necessarily informative or interesting to sit through and is instead just, beating you over the head with sadness there are movies like that um this movie does not do that it actually does a really good job of balancing itself while also really driving home a theme and one that's important so the live action shorts in particular tend to beat you over the head with the sadness and the trauma so i would say say shorts in general when they're trying to be sad and traumatic not just live action. Yes. The, the animated and documentary will do it too. <laughs> um, oh yeah. I mean, like the, yeah. we, we are notoriously um, wary of the documentary yeah. shorts for yeah. this reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do feel like, and I feel like in general, like a lot of the sh- shorts and especially the live action shorts this year managed to have a lighter tone, which was nice. A uh, bit of a welcome reprieve from previous years. Although, you know, it, a dark thing or like a traumatic thing could still be really good, obviously, but it's like watching five of them in a row. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I want to be clear that like, I think that it's fine if a, if a movie tackles a really dark and traumatic subject and goes all in on the darkness and trauma, like sometimes that's necessary. And, and on the topic of police brutality that there are instances where that is necessary and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously. I just mean that, it, there are times where also things lean in too heavily and people don't come away feeling anything because they're numbed by the just like oppressive sadness of it. You know, like yeah. that is a thing that can happen. And so this movie did not do that. And I thought that that was the smart choice for a short about it and a short that was trying to also right. sort of work in a sci-fi element to itself. So, so another um, another one of the live action shorts that I really liked um, this one also pretty dark that didn't have like that comedic reprieve, but I thought worked really well. Uh, white eye. Yeah. That one was, um, that one was very sad. (laughs) This one. Yeah, it was pretty sad. Um, interesting movie. Um, this is an Israeli film, I believe. Uh, Um, let me 
Yes. Yeah. And um, it's all done in one shot, yeah. which I didn't pick up on at I didn't pick up on it first. Um, and you know, one one shot films can be kind of gimmicky, so they always run that risk. I didn't think this one was. I thought it worked pretty well with what they were trying to do. Um, the setup of this movie is basically this guy finds his bike that was stolen a few weeks ago. It's been missing for a while. And like he finds it chained up and he you know, calls the police. Um, they tell him like they can't do anything because he like hadn't filed a report. They don't have any proof that it's his bike. But like if he waits around and finds out who it was, then like they can do something about it. And then he finds the guy who comes back who says that he didn't steal the bike. He just bought it. And uh, it turns out he's an undocumented immigrant. So, um, it's a, it's a complex moral situation where it's like suddenly like you re like report this to the police, like you're risking this guy's uh, like whole future and his whole family in this country, uh, when he might not even be at fault. Like he just bought a bike somewhere. Didn't I actually don't know. know if it is a complex, like, okay. I so, mean, obviously like the, the real moral choice the real moral choice is say, not to report it to the police. Not difficult. Especially because but, the, the, the guy who's who has the bike now, the, the undocumented immigrant, repeatedly says, I got it from a market. I did not just go steal this bike from somewhere. I paid money for it. Yeah. Like, and that is clearly I, what happened. Like, somebody else stole the bike and then resold it. Like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you're right. It's it's not so much about making a complex moral choice, but it's about like the way that your your decisions and your actions can suddenly spiral out of control to a degree that you would not have intended. Yeah, originally. yeah. I think like, that's that's an important point, especially within the past year over the reckonings that like at least in the U.S. and you know everywhere has been watching about police and like with you know it is an important like. Sometimes you think you're calling the police for this small little thing. And then guess what happens? Like things spiral out of control yeah. and terrible things start happening. Um, so, yeah. Cause know, once yeah. the, once like the main character realizes like what's going on, he's like, Oh, it's fine. Like, he's like trying I'll to just, stop I'll it. pay yeah. you, I'll pay you the money and you give me the bike and it's all right. But it, like at that point it's too late and things are already in motion. Right. And he's like desperately trying to work his way out of this situation that he's created right. through like no intent but because of his own actions. Right. Right. So, and like, I feel like the one shot format really works with that because like it shows it in real time. It yeah. shows how things develop, how like certain things build on each other and like all the, like the different characters that come into play, the cops, the various people watching and like the people, the other immigrants who are working in this uh, place where the, the guy was working and now maybe they're at risk too. Um, it's it's very interesting the way everything unfolds, and I thought that like it was so brilliantly choreographed that yeah. um, it definitely was another one of my favorites yes. for this year. I really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it as well. It was one of my favorites. The one shot definitely worked. I think it helps to like build a certain degree of tension to just watch it that way. You know, even if you oh, yeah. aren't paying attention to what sort of like, even if you aren't noticing that it's all one shot, like, as it builds, you do feel that. Like, as it's just panning around and, like, there's never, like, a break, you know? Um, at least in a lot of movies, when things cut to black or fade to black, you sort of, like, can take a breath 
that doesn't really happen here. And so um, I do think that that helps in a lot of ways. So it, it helps build yeah. the idea that things are just sort of like mounting and mounting and mounting. And after a certain point, like the guy who thinks, you know, he just called the police to get control of his bike that he, you know, wants back, um, you know, he's no longer in control. And it just really escalates that feeling of like dread because of the fact that there's never a break. You're never like just fading to black for a second and letting you catch your breath. Yeah. So exactly. It's just like, it's just like real life in that regard. You can't like sit back and just like process when like all this is happening around you and you have to make these split decisions. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I definitely like that one. Um, Any other of the live actions you wanted to highlight? Those are really, um, I mean, those were honestly both of my two favorites. If I, remember correctly oh i really liked feeling through i really liked feeling yeah through. that was that was nice too yeah um that i mean it's not i don't have as much to say about it i just want to highlight that i thought it was sweet i thought it was earnest um it was sweet yeah, yeah. that it was like so feeling through is a story about a young presumably homeless man helping out a a deaf and blind man who he just happens to run into yeah on like a bad night that he's already having, but it seems the other guy's having a bad night as well. Yeah. Um, actually, it seems like the other guy's having but, a good night. He just needs help getting. Well, yeah. Yeah. He, he actually had a pretty good night starting out, but um, he, he, he is kind of lost with no way home. And so he needs help. Um, but yeah, it, it, that, that was fun. Uh, I don't have as I mean, much to say about it. It's just, it was but, just kind of nice to have one that was I don't want to say a feel good movie, but it, it kind of was in a certain degree. It was like, you know, about people helping one another um, and about like actual goodness in humans. Like <laughs> that was yeah. kind of a nice like change. You don't see that a lot in the shorts, um, especially in the like live how- action and documentary shorts, the animated, you might see more of that, but uh, the other yeah. ones you usually see negative sort of perception of humanity. Um, this one sort of, you know, obviously it's not good that this was a young homeless man and this was a, blind and deaf man who needed assistance from strangers you know those are two objectively one does not hope for those things to be a reality but it was a really good view of like even in this case these people who are in bad situations are like really good and kind and and sweet to one another and helpful um that was i think it was it was about like how how helping somebody out even when you aren't doing out doing so well yourself can be good for you and can like improve your life on a spiritual level which is nice i thought that was really nice yeah Uh, so i really enjoyed just like a tonal shift from some of the others and also just like a nice vote of like some sort of optimism somewhere um it was kind of nice why don't we talk about the documentary shorts okay um so um of those my favorite was um do not split Oh my God. That one was so good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, there's, so as always, there's usually like either a war or a protest one in here somewhere. Um, this is the protest one this year. It's about the 2019 Hong Kong protests. Um, but it was really good and really interesting. I really liked the level of coverage that they were able to get just so much footage from the streets from like, all of this violence and protesting and like the police action, everything going on. 
and also like the the interviews they were able to get with people who were prominently involved in it i thought were really good yeah yeah i also thought it was kind of shocking that they were able to get some of that information i mean (laughs) just knowing like the nature of the protests in hong kong right and um you know, right. you would think a lot of people like there were people who were like fully showing their face. I wasn't sure that that would be like a thing you'd want to do. Um, and I just thought it was really impressive. Um, and I thought it was very, very good and well, well done. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Definitely. my I don't know. Um, I really liked it. I really liked a love song for Latasha. Um, I thought that one was really and I thought it was like I thought a love song for Latasha was very like artfully put together. Uh, Do Not Split was not yes. so much on the artfully put together documentary scale, which is obviously fine. A documentary doesn't have to be like that. Um, but a love song for Latasha was, and I thought that that was really well done. Um, so it's tough for me to decide between those two, but I really like them both. Yeah. Love song for Latasha was an interesting one. Um, it was about an uh, incident that happened, I think, like 20 years ago. Or something. Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah, um, where a young black girl was caught, uh, was shot by a convenience store owner. Mm-hmm. Um, over a bottle of orange and, juice. It was like $1.79. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> over, over something that small. Yeah. And it was all about like the people who knew her and like her childhood friends growing up, like yeah. telling their stories about who she was. Yeah. And there was a lot of really interesting, like there were reenactments, mm-hmm. there were like animations and stuff. Yeah. There, there were a lot of different methods that they used to tell the story yeah. um, to make it a more like artful piece rather than just a straight up retelling of stuff that happened in the past. Right. Right. And, you know, I just thought that that was, it was really good on that one a lot of documentaries sort of just do the more straightforward thing although i mean there's always some sort of artifice going into making a documentary you are choosing how to put things together obviously um but yeah i thought that this one was very intentionally artful in a really nice and like very lovely way especially given that it's sort of like the movie the documentary itself was i mean it's called a love song for latasha it's sort of like a eulogy in a lot of ways um so it was really nice that it was like a loving artfully well done piece um so i really enjoyed it on that one also it makes you very angry so you know classic documentary short um (laughs) um, most documentary shorts you'll end up angry there's actually one Mm -hmm. here that like was just like pure feel good there's only like one feel good documentary short and that was a concerto as a conversation which was just like yes a positive even though again it they do reference some things that make you very angry it is explicitly about like you know black men and like the arts world right and like there's like a that is a that's not necessarily the most positive story um throughout history (laughs) right um yeah but i also wanted to highlight this one um concerto is a conversation it's about um this relatively young composer and like jazz musician chris bowers and um, like the the setup for all of it is he, he's about to like premiere his first composition at like a big concert hall, the specifically the Walt Disney Hall in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, but and uh, like in in the lead up to this, he's having like these conversations with his grandfather about how like he came to be the person that he was and like set himself up in life. And where that's led him and as a result where that's led his grandson, who's now doing this amazing thing. Um, And it was all about, you know, his 91 year old grandfather growing up in like Jim Crow, Florida and all the stuff that he had to put up with. And then like his struggle to move out to California and like make a life for himself. 
Um, and it was, you know, like parts of it were really sad and really brutal, but also like, ultimately it was a pretty uplifting thing, like all the stuff that he went through right. and that now like his grandson has this really incredible thing that he's able to do. Right. I think, yeah, I think that it's important to note that obviously they do reference like the bad and stuff like that, but I think that ultimately the movie's look was, was optimistic. Right. And I thought, I just thought that was nice. Um, and another one where that's not typically the case in these movies. Um, <laughs> so it was nice yeah. that it was nice that that, that was here. Um, it's just nice to see a positive look on things. It's nice to see like in 2021, a, a documentary about like a black man, like where he's smiling for a lot of it, like that, you know, we're not seeing a lot of that these days. We're not allowed to see a lot of just like black men being happy and smiling on like the camera, yeah. you know? And like, it's just nice to see that. You know, it's and I thought they had this really interesting filming style for some of those like interview segments where it was a conversation between the two of them. And it was like they'd both be looking like directly into the camera with like a ring light and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. So you could like see the lights in their eyes and mm -hmm. like they like they felt like really vivid characters. And uh, it wasn't just like uh, two people casually chatting. It was like an important conversation. Yes. that was being had. Yeah. Yeah, so I just thought it was it was really nicely put together. Um, I really enjoyed that. I actually enjoyed most of these. I guess I say that I enjoyed the three that we've mentioned. The other two I could sort of take or leave. But um, Colette was all right. I don't want to talk about that too much. It was just okay. Yeah. Um, but Hunger Ward, I did not like. <laughs> I did not like Hunger Ward. Uh, Hunger Ward is uh, a short film about a um infant and child malnutrition crisis in yemen yes and i just feel like it's a little exploitative it was extremely but... exploitative <laughs> um you know what makes it so obviously exploitative and um it is the mtv films logo slapped over the opening i got <laughs> and maybe you were watching this at home so i don't know if you saw it as vividly i, as I did I see did. it okay. yeah yeah it was like, I'm watching these in a dark movie theater. I literally can't see anything but the screen. So the only thing I see as this movie is opening is MTV films. And then I proceed to watch this like 25, 30 minute documentary about like hunger in Yemen. And it's like MTV, you know what you could do? You could give them <laughs> fucking money or food, like not make a documentary about them. Like, well... For me, it was it was just like by the time I got to the third time they were showing a mother crying yeah. for like and you have, a you solid have, three minutes well, about thing. her dead child. I was like, this is like like they're this is invasive. This is like exploitative and they don't do enough to like explain like the causes behind why no. this is happening and how this can be fixed. It's just like misery porn for like 20 or 30 minutes. It's like pure misery and, and like you have to sit through it and we're seeing it over and over and over. And it's not even really, I mean, I don't want to say it's not humanizing these people because it's like, it's hard not to human like to feel some sort of sympathy for these, yes. these individuals. But at the same time, Obviously. it's really not doing a lot to make you feel like these are people who have like lives. Like it's not like, well, yes, you know, so obviously <laughs> you feel, you feel a lot of sympathy for the people in this movie, but I don't think the filmmakers did a good enough job of making them feel like characters who, and like understanding their motivations and like why things were happening. Like right. I, I compared it a lot to the cave which was about like a war-torn hospital. 
and like also had a lot of really brutal scenes in it. But what that film did well, even though like there were some problems that I had with that movie as well, but what it did well was that like it really highlighted the doctors who were like working themselves to the bone to get like to try to take care of these people and like really delved into their motivations and like why they were putting themselves at risk, why like they hadn't left yet and like what they were, what they had been through and what they continued to like, why they continued to do what they were doing. And I didn't feel like you got as much a sense of that in this movie. Like they just did not care about like characters. And it was just all about like how much brutal footage can we put into this short documentary which just it just sort of feels like i mean yeah it's exploitative and it's sort of like at the end of the day you you come away thinking like mtv film studios is like patting themselves on the back for like see we talked about that serious topic but it's like did you really like like that's how it feels like this movie like came about like it's just like oh we talked about it so we're like we're good we're doing the right thing we're raising awareness or whatever but it's like you're not really talking about like the actual humans who are impacted by this if you're not making these people actually humans when you depict them to the rest of the world like it's not Mm. helpful so i don't know um I mean, it was nice that towards the end, there was like this one throwaway line where it was like the U about the USA's involvement. It was like, that's nice. At least you like mentioned that at the very end and like a, an end credits, like card. Thank you. Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was like, they, they had all these like, like, uh, title cards at the end, like being like explaining the situation. It's like, if anything, this should have been at the beginning Yeah. or at least like shown, shown in the footage somewhere throughout the film not just like splashed at us at the end and be like all right we did it activism yeah basically um, yes it was literally <laughs> it was like it was like a, a short documentary version of like twitter activism where it's like i retweeted <laughs> i'm good and it's like okay well thanks but no um yeah, yeah. i don't know it's so yeah yeah that was rough like i i, I don't know like I, I didn't hate this documentary. Like it's obviously a very important issue and it's good yes, that yeah. it's getting exposure, but it is, it's more than just hard to watch. It's like, I feel like the filmmakers somewhat did not do their due diligence in the yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, and they could have, they could have expressed the issue in a better way. Yes. Anyway, let's move on to animated. Um, we're going to have some le- more lighthearted fare here. Um, why don't we start with the most lighthearted of all, Burrow, <laughs> which is um, it's a Pixar short. Um, yes. And it's all about this little bunny trying to dig a home, but there's all these other little animals down there who already have their houses there. Yeah, I mean, Burrow is... I liked Burrow. Look, Burrow is very sweet. Burrow was cute. And also, I can relate to Burrow because of the New York City apartment hunt. So I really, I really <laughs> felt. <laughs> it really do be like that. It really, sometimes you're looking for an apartment. It really is like, oh, I've dug into this apartment. Oh, somebody already lives here. Oh, I'm here. Oh, there's no kitchen. Oh, I'm here. Oh, there's a giant tapeworm living in the, the wall who's going to eat everything. <laughs> sure. These are things that happen when you live in New York City. So I get it, bro. Yeah. I get it. This is basically the underground version of New York City. Yeah. Everywhere this little bunny dog, um, there was somebody so else living there. So by the underground version of new york city do you mean 
Williamsburg, Brooklyn? Because <laughs> you mean the basement apartments? <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, you should build like a tunnel network under there and just like just keep digging down. Should I build a tunnel network under New York City and start running trains through it to get people to and from different places? <laughs> what a bold idea. I love where this is going. Um, but yes, uh, it was just it was cute. It was funny. It was like it was classic, like Disney Pixar animated type stuff. And if this one didn't make you cry. So <laughs> it just wrapped up it, really nicely. It actually didn't make you cry. That was I mean, the animated ones in general didn't necessarily make me cry, but this one definitely didn't make me cry. Um, oh, some of the other ones did. I just looked at the rest of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, if anything happens, I love you is the closest I came to crying during the animated segment. Um, this is a, a short animated film about school shooting. Um, yeah, it's, um, and you know what I have, my thoughts on this have not gone from like, they've gone from like fine to less fine. Now they're sort of just like, this was like exploitative and weird. This whole movie was just a weird choice. Um, yeah i mean i i i like this for the most part it wasn't one of my favorites um but i can definitely like it does feel a little uh, i don't know but i do think that it it represented the issue in an interesting way like i thought that like portraying the the relationship of the parents and like their emotions as like separate entities and like the battles that they were doing yeah um, was a really interesting choice mm-hmm. and um it's a good use of the animation medium because that's like exactly the sort of thing you can do with animation yeah is these sort of abstract feelings portrayed in real physical form yeah i mean um, i overall didn't dislike it or anything i just thought it was like i don't know there was just like something like the whole time i'm watching it and i was like th- there's gonna be like a a like the the other shoe's going to drop at some point. And I knew the whole time. And then like it shows yeah. a character walking into a school and I was like, Oh no. Like I, it, and I mean, maybe that says more about me as an American citizen that I see a kid walking into a school and I'm like, Oh no, but like um, <laughs> bad things yeah. are coming. And then it, it, they walked into a school and then as they're walking to the school, you see them in a hallway with a giant American flag behind them. And we should be note that, that we should note that color in this movie is kind of muted. And so, when you see a giant red, white, and blue flag, it like really steals a show. This is a movie that, yeah. whose main colors are like a sort of beige and black. Like that's most of the movie. And so then you see this like giant red, white, and blue flag. And it's like, oh, like clearly there's about to be a school shooting. I mean, I mean, of course that actually is a, a I mean, that's a, I guess that's like a praise of the movie that like they highlight how, like they don't have to say anything by that point. Like, of course, you know, by the the time a child walks into a school and you see a vivid American flag, it's like, oh, this is going to be a school shooting because that's just how fucking mm-hmm. obvious that shit is in this country at this point. But like, yeah, uh, and like that's a damning indictment of our country, but also a praise of the, the movie because it gets that it gets how, you know, it knows that, you know, from that moment you do see. There's further confirmation of that. There there are like gunshot sounds and things like that. Like things happen and we, we know that it's a shooting. It's not just me no. guessing that it's going to be. Um, but yeah, I guess it just sort of felt like it was like, 
you go through this whole thing and then all of a sudden it's a school shooting. And I don't know, there was just something about it that didn't sit totally right with me, but I do think it's ultimately good in general. Yeah. It's an interesting one. It's, it's not like, it's not my favorite of this year's uh, set, but it had, it had some interesting parts. Um, I want to talk about genius loci though. Um, or low C, I don't know how you pronounce this genius low C. Um, this was my favorite of the shorts, the animated category. Um, so beautiful. Um, it's hard to say exactly what this film is about. (laughs) It's sort of, it's about like a young girl who has like these visions and like her visions express themselves through abstract art. And like sometimes she's out in the world and like all of a sudden things start becoming increasingly abstract and strange and she feels disconnected to reality. And it's unclear if this is like some sort of mental condition or if she's just like a really imaginative person. But it's like it's about her like dealing with this. But also like the whole thing is just about like the amazing visuals in this um, thing. It's like classic abstract art from like the matisse period yeah um and it's really beautiful yeah so i thought this was i mean visually this was absolutely gorgeous it was stunning um i did i hadn't even thought of like not taking this to be about like mental illness and um so that like <laughs> i like coming out of this i just assumed that's like what it was about and that's what we all thought it was about um it's so probably it's what it's about yeah um i mean yeah i mean but if there are other readings obviously i don't know i mean i don't know anything about the director and writer really you know other than this movie so i can't comment on that but uh that is how i perceived it i perceived it as being about like mental illness um and for that reason i really liked it i i really related to it uh for that for that reason and so i you know i thought it was i thought it was really great it was also probably my favorite i don't know i really like burrow i will keep going back to burrow i really like burrow yeah um but but burrow was like I don't know. Like Burrow is a different kind of movie. Like genius Loki is like a, a serious movie. It's a movie about a topic and it, it's really hard to compare Burrow to genius Loki. Um, but those were definitely my two favorites. Either way you cut it. Um, this was my favorite of like the things that are actually tackling a serious issue for sure. Um, mm. So yeah. Um, yeah. I really, really liked it. I thought it was, it was gorgeously animated. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was stunning to watch. It was, it stands out the most among any of them. And it stands out among like years of animated shorts. I mean, you know, this was, it was yeah. really, really beautiful. So. And you always expect like the animated shorts to have some of the most like innovative, interesting looking animation yeah. of the year, because you know, it's, it's a short. So a lot of times people do this as like a proof of like a very specific animation style or a really experimental, unusual style. Yeah, but sometimes um, it's just a Pixar movie. I mean, yeah, no offense to Pixar, it, but sometimes I mean, it's this just a Pixar movie. <laughs> this one definitely stands out in that regard this year, but um, you know, a lot of other years we've seen more more experimental type stuff, yeah. but like this stands up above like some of the best animation yeah, that I've seen absolutely. in any of these shorts. Yeah. Uh, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really good. I don't know where it's streaming, so, but, but people should go watch it. I mean, I this is like actually worth a watch as opposed to like, you know, I loved Burrow, but I wouldn't say, oh, go seek out Burrow. 
I would actually tell mm-hmm. people to seek out Genius Loki. So I guess in that regard, it is sort of like my preferred of them because I would actually want people to watch this. I'd actively encourage it. Or I'd say if you get a chance, take a look. It's cute, but yeah, Genius Loki's on Vimeo right now. Okay, good. To um, know. I watch these I remember, in theaters, will, so it's hard for me. I to... will leave the link in the comments so you can check this out. It's it's short, so uh, you've got no excuse. And um, uh, the the only other one I wanted to talk about is actually not one of the nominees this year, but it was part of the animated shorts the package, program. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the package Cape Mahu. Oh, I really like that um, one. Which I thought should have been nominated instead of instead uh, of yes probably, people. Yes people. <laughs> yes people was just very uneventful, yeah. boring, yeah. and not interesting. Yeah. Um, it didn't even have like but, a good theme tying these different quote unquote yes people together. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Can we move on? Yeah. This is stupid. <laughs> I was really confused by that one's inclusion, yeah. but I, I feel like Cap Mahu should have been in there. And it, it was really interesting. It had really beautiful animation and told a really interesting story about like ancient Hawaiian history and mythology and about like how this story has been like ignored for centuries and like very like people pass by these rocks that are a part of this story on a daily basis and don't even know what they're about. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool and interesting, like sort of like a bringing attention to a hidden part of history and mythology um, as well as just having the gorgeous animation and storytelling. Yeah. So I thought it, it should have gotten a nomination. Absolutely. I absolutely agree, especially over, you know, yes, people like we just said. Um, <laughs> so, you know. And just like I'm for anything that sort of like highlights the experience of like actual Hawaiians and, na- and native Hawaiians, um, because that's not a, you know, in America, that's not a thing that we see a lot of. So it's just nice. Oh, to, yeah. It's nice to see that, uh, especially in, you know, movie like this so love to hear like a genuine hawaiian story that isn't like elvis going surfing exactly that's you know so so much of uh so much of the depiction of hawaii is just like elvis went surfing and paula abdul got into a pool i don't know why paula abdul getting into a pool came to mind i don't know if she's ever even been to hawaii but for some reason that was the first thing that came to mind in Um, your mind that's that's like the number two um, image that you connect to hawaii that's the problem Blum, folks well I'm, I'm thinking of not current celebrities so like my mind is like because like i don't really feel like hawaii is sort of like the like big thing and like current celebrity right like i don't think that mm. people talk more about like la and like you know just like those sorts of things like i don't really see people being like oh i went to hawaii like on your big instagrams but like there was a time where like going to hawaii was like the end-all be-all of like resort vacations right um, yeah and so paula abdul seems like the the right response there because she was big when that was the case so um all right <laughs> um, i don't know if she's ever been there so sorry paula if you haven't um i don't mean any harm um love you i watched american idol when you were a judge so um. <laughs> okay well i'm ready to move on with the shorts yeah, let's do um, it. um i'm gonna try to hit some of these in rapid fire because we're we're gonna we're gonna be here all day um, what? You mean we're white... talking too much? I can't believe it. <laughs> Never. Um, the White Tiger. Oh. Um, this was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. I liked it. Fucking fantastic movie. Yeah. So exciting. So, like, just such good acting. And particularly and a great screenplay. I gotta say, 
Um, this was oh yeah, yeah. It's like actually really nice that this was nominated for best adapted screenplay because the movie felt like a movie, even though it was adapted from a novel. And sometimes things get adapted from another work and feel like the other work. And I'm not yeah. shading the thing that won, <laughs> but it that did feel like the other work. And so maybe we have, <laughs> maybe we, we should honor the that... things that get adapted into other mediums. Like I really feel like that should be a like it should be best adapted screenplay that actually feels like it is a part of another medium than what it originally was. I feel like that matters. And so I'm just saying, I'm just saying that the father, I loved it, but like it's still a yeah. play in the movie form. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we mentioned that there's a bunch of um, nominees this year that were adapted from plays. And while they are good, they feel like plays. White Tiger, um, adapted from a book, feels like a movie. It feels like a movie. Um, and it feels like the perfect adaptation into a movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like more than just that, I just like it was so entertaining and yeah. had like an interesting message to it as well as an interesting story. Yeah. Uh, all the characters were great and interesting. It's about um, this young man in India who is like born in a low caste and like all the stuff that he's willing to do to uh, like claw his way to the top and become a su success and like yeah. become a businessman and it's told yeah. a lot of it's told in flashbacks as yes. he's already a successful businessman so he was like how did he get there well let me tell you I, uh, it's an interesting ride yeah i yeah i loved this movie i thought it was really fun i watched this movie while cooking brunch one day it was like and like <laughs> not saying that it's not the sort of movie that you can just like sort of tune out and half pay attention to or like turn your brain off for but it's definitely like the type of movie where you can sort of like do other things while you're watching it and still just get as much enjoyment out of. Um, Cause it's very, it was the dialogue was so good. It's, and it's like, snappy. it told the whole yeah, story. Exactly. So like, that's the thing. It's like, it's snappy. The dialogue is great. Like it's fun. You're like tuned in the whole time. So it's not the sort of movie where like, if you try to do other things, you're going to not pay attention because you're going to pay attention because it's very fun and it's very engaging the whole time. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. I really liked uh, Adarsh Gaurav as the main, as the lead. I thought he was great. Um, oh yeah, he was just really, really. I mean, he was very compelling. I thought he was funny when he needed to be funny. I thought he was very dark and very frightening when he needed to be dark and frightening. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I just thought it was really good. I really liked the White Tiger. Um, it was definitely one of my favorite. Like. Yeah. What are my surprise favorite watches? I would say, like you know, I didn't know a lot. Because well, going... like nobody's talking about this movie. Yeah. It was up for one award and was definitely far from the favorite. All in that I knew going in was that Priyanka Chopra was involved. Um, that's about it, and that's just because I follow Nick Jonas on Instagram. So like, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's about all I knew, and I was like really, really pleasantly surprised by what this movie was. I thought it was really good and really smart. So. But yes, check this film out, people. It's on Netflix. Easy to watch. Um, let's talk about Quo Vadis Aida. Oh, my God. Okay. Mm, yeah, okay. Let's do it. Let's uh, talk about one of the most depressing movies we watched this whole yes. season. Yes. <laughs> this was one of the most depressing and yet one of the best. Oh, my God. It was um, so shockingly, shockingly good movie. I, full disclosure, um, I kind of wanted it to win the category it did not win. I... I I kind of wanted it. I kind of wanted it. So, mm. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Wait, what was what was this one up for again? Best international feature and another round one, and I love another round, but I kind of wanted Quo Vadis Aida to win. Like, yeah, I loved this movie. I thought, like, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again because it's just like really heavy and it's very dark and it's you know it's very uns- upsetting. But oh my god, I thought it was really really good. I thought it was. It was like tense. It was dramatic. It was really well acted. Um, you know, it's about a. Yeah. It's about it, obviously a very upsetting historical event that happened in this world. Like, yeah, it's about the Bosnian genocide, yeah. which was not something that I knew like anything about going into this. Basically, and, the only thing uh, I knew about it was that it happened. Like, <laughs> so I knew that there was like a, a war going on back then, but you know, I was a kid when that happened. So the, the, I didn't know. Yeah. That. So, it, but uh, um, yeah, like the the lead uh, is so incredible. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Jasna Dorichis. Um, Jasna Dorichich. Dorichich. Yeah. Yeah. She was amazing. Uh, she plays this uh, UN translator who's trying to protect her family as uh, the like the troops come into their town and take over and are trying to kill everyone. Yeah. And um, she is just like going through all the bureaucracy and arguing with people and fighting with people, trying to protect the people that she loves. Um, and it, you know, it's brutal. Yeah. There's a lot of really real brutality in this movie, yeah. but it's like, it's also really beautiful. Like the extent of humanity that's shown in this film. I just um, think it's, oh my God. I just thought it was a really, yeah, I really, really like it's, I, it's not every day that like I watch a movie and it like, pause it like makes me pause and like i like need to like take a minute and like do you know whatever i was like floored by this movie i thought it was really really good i thought i really thought jasna derichich was like fucking amazing in this movie and like yeah i don't know i just really liked it It's, it's definitely the most memorable international feature film for me um and i loved another round and i'm not shading another round and I'm yeah. happy that it won. I mean, I also, at the same time that I'm giving this high praise to Quo Vadis Aida, I do think Another Round was, on a technical level, the more perfect film. Like, it was like, everything about Another Round was like a very perfect film. There's like, mm-hmm. it's a very perfect movie. Yeah, it did everything that it was supposed to do. It's just um, that Quo Vadis Aida was so much more affecting to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just like, it was it's gut-wrenching i mean it's the kind of thing that sticks with you you know yeah and and honestly this movie um so what i think set quo apart for me was that like they easily oh my god i've got hiccups um i've taken like two sips of a beer and i've got hiccups um (laughs) Uh oh um that's what happens um so anyway you like quo could have easily ended at the moment when like we see there's a part spoiler alert where we see like guns come out to shoot all of the men and boys and like it could have easily ended on a really dour note there and just ended and i think what makes this movie so good is it doesn't end there and we see you know we see the translator in her older age like years later coming back to the town and still living her life and like teaching and seeing children grow and like and also not just seeing her but we see other people who survived the genocide that day you know 
and like just yeah. like seeing them around and like oh my god it's like i think like i was like just like in a state of like shock for a while even though i mean i've read about this i knew about this genocide and like I knew about this happening and I was like still shocked when it happened in the movie. And then we get to that part though. And so like, I'm like sort of like whatever, like I'm I'm not whatever, but I'm like, you know, I'm stony faced. I'm upset, but I'm just like watching. And then it gets to that part. And I literally like started sobbing. Like it's just very affecting and it's very, very well done. The Um, part at the end was very emotional. I think it's, it's what absolutely makes the film and that you can see like, the lasting effects of this sort of event in that like this never really goes away that this affects like the rest of your yeah (laughs) this affects the rest of your life and like it makes like it it can be traumatic and like have bad effects um but at the same time like the the main character is in some ways able to still like enjoy her life at the end um she and, finds some joy and you know what she finds joy yeah. in children growing up. And do you know how beautiful that is to think about like, cause her big tragedy is young children being cut down in the prime of their life. Right. Like especially yeah. her son, like being cut down when he was about to start college. Like that's like the big tragedy of, you know, a lot of this movie and she, her joy comes from just watching people grow up and that's beautiful. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think so much of this movie is gorgeous and man, I really liked it. Really, really liked it. I think it's, pr- it's a beautiful film. Definitely worth checking out. Um, so uh, I'm just kind of going down mostly in order of that, the way that I watch these things. That's fine. Yeah. Because uh, I watched, I, I didn't have as many to watch in the last week. So I sort of just like was scrambling. We're about to get to a bunch of the big acting and best picture nominations. So why don't we talk about Judas and the Black Messiah? Okay. That was probably the first movie from this group of Oscar nominated <laughs> movies that I watched. So yeah, let's do it. That was a wall pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this film is all about uh, Fred Hampton, the uh, leader of the Black Panther Party. Um and this guy who was um, an FBI informant who like was embedded in the Black Panthers and like informed on them and ultimately uh, enabled the plot behind the FBI assassinating Fred Hampton. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. deeply complex, powerful, emotional movie. Um and I, I'll profess to not knowing a lot about the history behind this. Yeah. Um, but what I can say is that the performances in this movie are absolutely phenomenal. Um, especially uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. So good. Who are both nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this, which is kind of an unusual happenstance. Um the way things were credited. Um, But um, they were both incredible. so good. I mean, they really, uh, I would say that like this movie, I would say the pacing is the biggest flaw of this movie. There are some, there's some pacing elements in this movie that are not like great. Um, Yeah. Man, Kaluuya and Stanfield really like, I mean, it's hard for me to care because they're just so good throughout. Um, 
yeah i really they're the highlight of this movie easily i mean not uh not to say anything shaka king's direction is also quite good although again pacing Mm -hmm. is a a weird thing and so i sort of lay some of that on directing um but yeah man the acting in this movie is fucking amazing um it's definitely one of the, the highlights of the movie and it makes i think it makes so you know obviously kaluuya is fred hampton you want to root for I mean, I don't know. You want to root for Fred Hampton in this movie, right? Like, (laughs) I don't know who doesn't want to root for Fred Hampton in this movie. Um, Anybody who's watching this movie, I would say, wants to root for Fred Hampton in this movie. Um, They definitely, the the movie's like mostly told from his side. But Stanfield makes a compelling quasi-villain, right? Like, you know, and... He's like a, the 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 deuteragonist of sorts. He's like, like I mean, a, he's he's the Judas, right? Like that's the name of the yeah. movie. Um, but he's, he's a he's very a sympathetic character, traitor. Like he's a compelling guy who's who's in this situation. You know, I don't know. It's I just think it's very very well done. Um, I really liked it. I thought, so it was, I, I will admit that of all of the movies nominated for Best Picture, it was the first one I saw. Um, let me double check that that's true. Yep, that's true. Um, but I will admit that when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is definitely my pick for Best Picture. That did not end up being the case, but I, you know, that's how confidently I felt about it when I first saw it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, I was watching a bunch of these, like the the big top films, all at once. So I was like, "Oh man, like yes, it's this one. Oh wait, no, it's this one." So yeah. it was kind of all all hitting me at once. But I definitely thought that this one could have been a contender. Um, I mean, it, it was. It literally was. It was a great film. <laughs> um, the performances were amazing, and like just the the interplay between them, it, it feels like you know that classic kind of actorly Oscar film. It does, yeah. That could really go the go the distance. Um, but yeah, I mean, like just so much was accomplished in this film. I like Daniel Kaluuya especially. Like those scenes where he's giving those rousing speeches, like you want to jump on board. You do. You really he's convincing do. everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an incredible film. So yeah, definitely, definitely enjoyed that one. Um, that was that was a morning watch for me. Wow, this was a, uh, this was so when it was this was a when it was on HBO Max that time for me so oh yeah see i missed out on that yeah i missed out so i had to pay 20 dollars to see this and you know what i don't you know what you missed out on it of your own accord because i distinctly remember snapchatting you during we've discussed this i didn't know that it was going to leave so yeah you know what okay um let's talk about minari oh another best picture nomination this one really interesting it's about a Korean immigrant family um, trying to start a farm, raise a family. In Arkansas. In, in Arkansas, Whoa, of all places. Pig suey. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and they're, you know, they're trying to grow crops. They're sexing chickens for um, income. This was, wait, hold on, hold on. 
This was not the only movie nominated for a major Oscar award that featured a lead performance in which a character was sexing chickens. What was the other one? What was the other one? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> oh my God. That is a really weird distinction. What are you talking about? I can't remember. About? One of the other movies. It was one of the other movies. For best picture? Not best picture necessarily. Just a okay. major From Oscar. A major Oscar award. It, um, was it, it wasn't Sound of Metal, I don't think. But there was another no. one where they had to deal with like chicklets. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? What are you <laughs> Maybe it was one night. No, it wasn't the White Tiger. Because that wasn't. It was. It was. In, was it in Nomadland? Did, did she have to sex chickens in Nomadland? Maybe. I don't think so. Like, that's that's like something that you have. That's like a skill job. That's not something you can just like walk up and do you have to like know how to i'll do have that. to look this up. but there was definitely another one because i remember almost sending a text and i was like what the fuck right. this cannot well, be real if we figure it out we'll put it in the comments yes. for this for this episode um but that i mean that sounds interesting i it, minari was was great yeah. i loved like the family story it told like they and and obviously the classic American immigrant story of like trying to make your way, trying to establish yourself. Sure. And it's also about like how like that can tear a family apart sometimes. Like there's real moments of extreme stress in this film where it seems like this family is going to break. Um, and there's a lot of bad things that happen to these people in this movie. Right. Um, but it's ultimately a pretty uplifting film, you know, like through all of the really bad shit that they go through, they're able to um, like push through and try to establish a new life for themselves. Yeah. I think it's really important that in the end of this movie, like there actually is a positive outcome. I mean, I don't want to say outcome, but there actually is like, you know, it feels like they're like they've grown closer as a family and they're going to like move forward as a family together, working together. That's nice. You know, you don't necessarily expect that from a an Oscar nominated best picture nominated film. Um, and also a movie that was like kind of, you know, heavy and sad throughout. Um, so, yeah. I really like Minari. I I guess I say the sentence I really liked blank a lot on this podcast. Um, <laughs> well, we're talking about Oscar films. I mean, yeah. uh, we we should be liking these movies. Otherwise, the Academy is fucking up. Well, the Academy is um, fucking up. We should clarify that that is definitely true often. But S- Stephen Yen was incredible in this film. Oh, my um, God. He was so, I thought he was really incredible. And you know what? As a law, like as somebody who watched The Walking Dead for years, it's just yes. nice to see Stephen Yun doing a role where he is getting his due. Like, that's fucking awesome because he deserves it. He is so. It's nice good. to see him get like a really good role, yeah. and like he's a, he's been a great actor for a long time, and it's been the first time he's gotten to do something on this kind of platform. Yeah. Like, yo, know, he's nominated for best actor. Yeah. And I feel like he, you know, should have stood a solid chance. It was a very stacked category this year. This year was year, extremely and we'll, stacked. We will, yeah. we will get to the best actor category later. But I feel like he gave it his all. He definitely 
earned an award this year. Like he would, if he'd won, it would have made total sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, Yoon Ye Jung, who played the grandmother in this film, yes, um, was also incredible. Like she had such an interesting, unusual character that made her like so endearing from the start. Yeah. <laughs> just the, like the the kind of grandmother who just like doesn't give a shit and like smokes and drinks or whatever uh gambles <laughs> just gambling with the grandchildren that sort of grandma um but then also she has this really like really brutal moments at some points yeah so i don't want to get into yeah. but she is a great interesting character um so well portrayed portrayed and definitely award worthy uh yeah i she was yeah i was not mad about her when her winning uh what she won well we'll get into the win later but she was just so i i thought she was great um i loved her i thought she was funny she was endearing oh yeah just so good definitely one of the highlights of the movie not that i mean everybody was a highlight in this movie basically the whole cast was really good um, yeah, even the kids. Yeah, the kids were and, good. <laughs> you know, kids can kids can be hard to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. even in really really good films, there's sometimes just some bad child acting that leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But the kids in this movie were perfect. Yeah, they were really really good. So, so yeah. yeah, like all around great stuff. Let's talk about the father. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was upsetting. I knew this was coming. This, I have to say, this film was a lot different from how I expected it to be. Okay. So I knew this was going to be a movie about like elderly dementia and like the strain that could put on your family. And I expected it to totally be like some Oscar bait kind of thing about like how much everybody was suffering as like this guy slowly lost his mind but it was like the polar opposite of that um i love the way that this film like really tried to get you into the perspective of anthony hopkins character yeah um it's beautiful and like you don't even realize what's going on until like 15 minutes into the movie and then like stuff happens and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, what is going on? And that's like from there, the film takes a total turn and that's like the tone that they set. The whole film is meant to be like very disorienting. Um, it like the whole structure mirrors the experience of like going through dementia. Right. And having these, thoughts and ideas that like are very confusing and like having the world seem to change around you all the while everyone's acting like everything is just fine and you're really confused and you don't know what's happening. And I think both, both the way the film is structured and the way that Anthony Hopkins portrayed it just made such a immensely complex masterpiece that like I was blown away. I also have to say, as as someone who has an elderly father who's had multiple strokes, this really resonated with me. Like, um, he's actually he's 
surprisingly more coherent than the the lead in this film but um there's times where you sort of feel like he he's obviously going through something really really difficult which is the impression that you get in this film yeah yeah i just thought um i mean i think this movie is oh yeah i mean i love this movie um it is just like effectively extremely disorienting while you're watching it. You know, the way little things change on the set, you know, the way, you know, you, you sort of just like toggle in different actors, but they're called the same names at different times. And like, yeah, there, there's no commentary on it sometimes. I mean, you know, sometimes Anthony Hopkins will be like, wait, you're not. And that clues you in that you're kind of confused, but sometimes it'll just be like somebody offhandedly mentioning, Oh, that's, james and you're like wait what hold on what hold wait wait (laughs) um and so you know there's just like it's just and it's it's non-stop throughout the movie it doesn't let up right you you sort of like Mm -hmm. start and you're in this place and you're like okay i understand what's going on and i will admit i went into this movie not even knowing that it was about you know a father who was ultimately you know losing his memory and struggling with alzheimer's but like or dementia? Is it Alzheimer's or dementia? I don't even know if there's a. Um... I mean, it, it, his age is probably dementia. Alzheimer's is like early onset dementia, yeah, right? But I, they, they are all within the same scope of like mental, right? Uh, difficulties, exactly. And so that's yeah. So you know, I didn't even really know what this movie was going to be about going in, but like very quickly, I was like, oh, that's clearly what's going on here, just because. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a good movie, but it it doesn't take a genius to realize what an Oscar nominated movie is going to be about very quickly on no. into a movie. Um <laughs> but like, you know, by but then like all of a sudden like other characters are coming in and they're being called the same name that other characters were being called and it's like, "Wait, hold on. What the fuck is going on?" Um no. and so I don't know. I just think it was really effective at making you even though you can probably as a viewer sort of realize what's going on, you're also confused. And you're like, I actually don't know where in the timeline we are right now, because you're referencing things that seem to have happened earlier, but then also earlier you seem to have suggested are happening later. So I don't really know what's going on. And there's just so much sort of up and down and back and forth with like, even just like the audience's, you know, understanding of the timeline and everything that's going on. I I just think it's really, really well done in that regard because I think it makes it so much more emotional at the end when things sort of come into clarity and you sort of understand exactly what's going on, you know, that the character's in, in a facility and is being helped by certain people and he starts talking and it makes it so much more effective that you've also been confused for an hour and 15 minutes of this film's runtime. You know, Um, it really puts you in the mindset. Like you can really empathize with what he's going through. Um, It also helps that this movie is literally like 90 some minutes or whatever. Like, I mean, not, you know, it's fine if a movie wants to be longer. It's really nice that this movie is not because it wants to make you could, I mean, if it's going to keep you confused for this whole time and wants to make it like a, this tight, like it's sort of like a very tight, confusing runtime. Like the whole time it's like changing itself up and making things like more and more confusing as you go and 
swapping in a couple different actors and scenarios and revisiting the same scenarios, but with different actors and different settings. Like, like, you know, if it wants to do that, it has to have a sort of like tight frame and it does. And it really, really works. And it shows how well a nice, short, tight runtime can work in a movie yeah. by the end here. I think, I think they did a really good job. there, not overplaying their hand and repeating themselves too much. They managed to like do all the different ideas and like really get across the, the mood that they were trying to establish without like going over the same territory. Right. Um, and the short runtime helped a lot with that. Yeah. yeah. Also definitely have to highlight Anthony Hopkins here. Just an absolute tour de force performance, uh, makes you believe every minute of it yep. and has to do like so many different aspects of the same performance. Like it's all about how this guy like he changes from minute to minute and sometimes like he can be funny and like joking around and stuff. And other times he's confused and then he's angry and then he's just really sad. And then he's like reverting to almost like a childlike state and crying. And he's able to do all of these like at the flip of a switch and like really selling it and making it super emotional and I just like this performance is so mind blowing. I absolutely loved it the whole time. Yeah. He's fucking great. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like an unparalleled performance. I mean, God, it's, mm, he's so good. And it's, yeah, yeah. We can get into the conversation about best actor later, but like, yeah, yeah. He's just so well, fucking we'll, good, man. We'll just say, like, I, like, going into this film, I was like, oh, Chadwick Boseman definitely is the favorite for best actor. But I'd also been hearing some talk that there might be an Anthony Hopkins upset and that like he'd won some other awards. I was like, how is that going to happen? He's just playing this. He's just doing this Oscar bait dementia movie. And then I saw this movie. I was like, oh, shit, he has a good chance of winning this award. I think this is. This performance is the real deal. Folks. It's absolutely the real deal. I think, yeah, let's, let's, let's save the conversation about the best actor until later, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, he was just fucking amazing. It's like, it, I mean, it, I don't want to say it carries the movie. Cause I think so many things about this movie are really, really good. So, um, I even think that the fact that the movie, this feels, I think the fact that this movie feels like a play is even a benefit. Like, you know, um, it gets yeah. it gets away with a lot of the things that it does because you can tell that it's based on a play. Um, it's like claustrophobic yeah. and repetitive mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And that actually really works well with what they're trying exactly. to do. And so like a lot of like, so I mean, it, I don't know. I might have given this five stars on Letterboxd. I think it's basically a perfect film is what I'm saying. And so like, you know, I, I just think it's it's really, 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 really good. So I don't, I don't want to like start going into a conversation of whether Anthony Hopkins deserved, you know, a win here. Um, so I don't want to have that conversation. I just think it's fucking amazing. And Anthony Hopkins, I don't want to say he carried it because I think the rest of the movie is so fucking good too. But at the yeah. same time, if he had been bad, this movie would have been really bad. Like, yeah, so. it all came down to his performance yeah. ultimately. Yeah. And he like absolutely soared. 
So, and, and, you know, it's that sort of thing where it's like if he'd even been moderately good, like the film would have been like, ah, okay, you know, it works. But it would have been like watching just, fucking Revolutionary Road, like, or it's like, okay, it's yeah. fine, but like, <laughs> I never want to watch that again, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this movie was like, I don't know if I ever want to watch this again, but God, I want to because it's just, <laughs> it's so incredible. I don't like, what I does. quote unquote don't want to because it's very heavy and upsetting, but I also want to because it's so fucking well put together and great. Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot, there's also. In addition to just being sad and emotional, there's technical craft on display in this movie. Like, and that's, I mean, that's great. This is coming from, a, you know, the director and, and everything of this movie comes from the stage. They don't work in film typically. You yeah. know, the fact that they came in and I'm saying there's like actual like craft on display here is a big deal and it matters. And so, I don't know. I just think it's really, really, really good. So. Yeah, Florian Zeller has only directed one film before. He's mostly a playwright. Right. So, and he's written a bunch of films, but it is interesting to be able to adapt your work this effectively to the screen. Um, It's a very hard thing to do, especially when you're doing it all yourself. You're not just like handing your play off to a expert filmmaker and being like, all right, do something with that. Right. All right. There's just a couple more films I want to talk about. Uh, Pieces of a Woman. Okay. This was the film that I watched after watching The Father. Oh! (laughs) Same night. I was just like, you know what? I'm already depressed. Let's just watch another brutal movie. This one is not nearly as good, um, but it is quite sad. So there's that. This I I believe this was only nominated for best lead actress, yes. um, and it does have a pretty good performance from Vanessa Kirby. Um, Vanessa Kirby. Um, also, the so this movie is about a um, a a home birth that goes wrong, and the fallout from that. Yes. Um, like both the legal and emotional and interpersonal, just everything. Um, and it is, it is an interesting story they tell here, but like my highlight of this film is the, there's like a 20 plus minute uncut scene that is all like the childbirth. The opening, Um, the opening scene. uh, Well, it's not the first scene. It's, like it's after a little bit, but, but, but the day of the, the birth is like the opening scene. The day of the birth is the opening yeah. scene, but like the, the section specifically when the baby is being born is like completely uncut all one take. Um, it's like over 20 minutes. It's interesting and well done. Um, and when I, it felt gimmicky to me in the moment, but I, I feel like ultimately it works with the film. I just feel like the rest of the film is a little meh, you know? Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't live up to that. I scene. genuinely, my, my thoughts on this film were that the opening was fucking great. And so like you say, the birth scene Um, for me, I take the opening to be anything up through the end of the birth scene. So, okay. Um, yeah, that's a that's a fair demarcation point. And then the end of that, and then 
like the closing. So like the courtroom scene where Vanessa Kirby comes back in and gives her monologue in the court through the end is are also very good. Yeah. But then everything in the middle is extremely mediocre. I mean, like, yeah. And like some of it is like not watchable. And like the pacing is like terrible for long stretches there in the middle. It's very like melodrama. It's just kind of, mm. not a lot happens, but it's all like super emotional. Um, But that opening and like closing those opening and closing acts are like really, 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 really good. Um, And like, I mean, the opening is like some of the best filmmaking I've seen in, you know, a while. Like that's like really good. It's really well done. It's, Vanessa Kirby's like birth sequence is like gripping and stressful and simultaneous. Like you go from like joyous to like really, really depressing. And like, you know, very quickly, it does a very good job of that. Um, But then there's just so much in the middle. That's like, God, I don't want to be watching this and it's not interesting. And it's, yeah, it's just too bad because I do think Vanessa Kirby's actress acting nomination here is like actually deserved. I think she's really, really good. Um, although I also think Ellen Burstyn is fucking awesome in this movie and her supporting role. And <laughs> um, oh yeah, she had a great supporting role. It didn't get any notice yeah, by the Academy, yeah. but I mean, Ellen Burstyn is like kind of known for doing yeah. that now yeah. at this point, like the, the small understated supporting role. Yeah. I just think she's, but, she gives such a good performance here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This movie was, just a bit much you know um mm-hmm. <laughs> i think um it had a really good idea and they didn't know how to execute it is what i think actually happened with this yeah. movie um just too bad because i think the idea that it had is smart and had its heart in the right place to make this movie um mm-hmm. but i just don't think it really worked out um yeah i don't know mm-hmm. I liked seeing Molly Parker in a movie too. Just as a side note, I like Molly Parker. I think she's a good actress. Um, And I thought she was good as the like, sort of like midwife who's unduly blamed for this situation. um, That isn't really, you know, you know, these things just happen whether or not we want to. I mean, it's very believable that a baby would die in a birth and then the entire city would be like, oh, it's the person who is helping deliver its fault. And it's like, well, sometimes yeah. Try to sometimes things just happen it. and babies just die. I mean, that's very sad and not a reality one we want to accept. But sometimes these things just occur. Like, <laughs> we, you know, um, yeah. so I, I thought Molly Parker was like quite good in a role with very limited actual spoken lines. Um, You know? Yeah. And she, she and Vanessa Kirby had that great like interplay in the court scene that I felt like really saved the film at the end ultimately and made it like at least end on a good note. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you pretty much on this It's like they they were a lot of, it was like it, Started well, it ended well. There's just a lot of problems in the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fun fact: This was, was executive it? produced by Sam Levinson of Assassination Nation and Euphoria fame. So, 
Um, you know. Nice. Very nice. Um, all right. Let's talk about the one we've all been waiting for. Pinocchio. Ah! I don't know if we've all been waiting all right. for that. Let me just say, I loved this movie. <laughs> I did not. I did not. <laughs> This is one of the rare films that we do not agree at all on, and we're going to hash it out and here. And typically, it's um, the other way. No, wait. It's typically me disliking it and you liking it. It's, like, um. it's usually uh, I like something that's kind of dumb, yeah. but you know um, what? I'm I'm here to defend Pinocchio's honor. I don't honor. think Pinocchio... So I... Okay, so unlike some other disagreements we've had on this pod... I actually think it's like respectable to like Pinocchio because like on a technical okay. level, this movie is quite good. Like, like the, I think that like the visuals of this movie are quite good. I think the storytelling is fine. Like, I think it's, it's all perfectly fine. Um, I just personally never want to see those visuals again, ever in my entire life. <laughs> and also don't like Pinocchio. Like I'm, I just like, I have like internalized some negative emotions about Pinocchio and (laughs) why don't you like Pinocchio? Well, I grew up with a lot of nightmares about turning into a donkey. And so (laughs) those are because of Pinocchio. So I, you know, you know, the Pinocchio, he becomes a donkey and that's very upsetting to me for some reason. Um, and as a child, classic turning into a donkey oh, bias. Know. Um, and so like, I just like, don't like Pinocchio stories as a rule. And like, there's like this whole thing. Like, I don't know. It's just like, I don't, Pinocchio doesn't sit well with me. Um, and so it's just hard for me, but you know what else is hard for me? Movies in which Pinocchio lifelike Pinocchio goes into this like cabin and sees a giant slug monster creature thing. And like, I just like, don't like it. And like also (laughs) the weird, like plague doctor owls that come to like take care of Pinocchio when he's sick, he's bedridden at the green fairy's house or blue fairy. Sorry. Um, yes, I like really don't like it. Like, I don't want to see them. You know what else I don't like? The tuna. I hated that fucking tuna. The tuna. The tuna made me so upset in this movie. So, like, there's just, like, and, like, I also didn't like that, like, the puppeteer early in the movie was like, I'm gonna burn puppets for warmth. (laughs) But, like, when they start screaming, he's like, oh, shut up. And it's like, wait, you know they're alive and you're gonna burn them? Like, (laughs) this is upsetting! You're a genocidal maniac. Like, <laughs> like you're just puppets, whatever. Like what well, they're screaming. So I think maybe you want to consider that. <sighs> but like, okay. So what I really liked about this movie is that it really faithfully adapted how fucked up the actual Pinocchio yes, story I is. I appreciate any time. <laughs> no, I do appreciate that. I do. I really do. I just the Disney wish... version is so much tamer, and there's a lot of fucked up stuff that happens. I was gonna say the, the Disney, Disney version, version is but it's tamer. So tame. The Disney version is tamer, but like that's saying a lot because the Disney version is not fucking tame. But like, <laughs> like I do, like I agree with you. I really like when like you know fairy tale slash child stories are adapted with the full extent of like the darkness that they contain because. I do think there's a lot of like glamorizing of them and like 
you know, all of that. Like, I, I don't like that. And I, I agree. I personally wish it had been animated. Like, I just like, I don't need to see the quasi live action <laughs> shit that's happening it, in this movie. It would have worked well as an animated film. However, I think it just added to how absolutely disturbing this film was. And I do think the original Pinocchio story is very disturbing and twisted and weird. And I've never seen something that so faithfully got that tone onto the screen as this movie. This movie is fucked up. Mm -hmm. There's so much just weird shit and like horribly violent shit that happens in this movie that just gets like brushed off as like, Oh, that's what happened. Like Pinocchio gets hanged in this movie. Hanged, you yeah. get like a, a very cinematic shot of him hanging from a noose from a tree. And it's just like, this is Pinocchio everyone for children. And all that shit happens in the book. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. Like this is how fucked up that story is. And they nailed the tone just perfectly. Yeah. I also like that Roberto Benigni is in this movie. Yeah. So, you know, so Roberto I mean, Benigni he's the being standard bearer of Pinocchio. Yeah, I was going to say him being involved in this movie definitely gives it a lift. Like, it's just like, it's so funny that he was like, you know what? After my one Pinocchio excursion, I'm back. I'm fucking back. I'm doing it again. <laughs> it's like, what's with you and Pinocchio, Roberto? What are we doing here? What's uh, going on, buddy? Um, <laughs> So there's just so much weird shit that happens in here. Pinocchio burns his legs off by resting him on the fire. Pinocchio almost goes to jail because he hasn't committed a crime. Um, they try to drown Pinocchio after he turns into the donkey. Okay, but that is typically like, <laughs> adapted. That's a typically adapted plot. <laughs> um, some of these other things are like legitimately not typically adapt. Like Pinocchio being hanged is like, that's a big deal. That's not typically adapted. Um, you know, all of the, yeah. yeah. Um, the, it's a very, yeah, it's very faithful. It, it's very weird. Uh, you know, I can't fault it for that. Um, shout out to Italy. Um, <laughs> you know, um, Good job, Italians. You gave us pizza and you gave us this shit. Um, so, oh, God. Yeah. It's just like very upsetting. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that I don't like it because I think that implies that I think it's bad. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's like not something I ever want to watch ever again or ever even come into like a close contact with ever again. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it. Like it's it's very technically put well put together, but never again. Thanks. <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't see any reason why I would watch this movie again, but I love it. <laughs> so it's so blessedly fucked it up. It's very fucked up. Um, and it is by far the best adaptation of the Pinocchio story. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's yeah. just, it captures the tone so perfectly because I remember like listening to the audiobook of Pinocchio as a child and being like, what the fuck? Yep. <laughs> like oh, this doesn't yeah. happen in the Disney movie. <laughs> so it's glad I'm glad to finally see that portrayed on the big screen and in a, a pretty faithful and tone accurate way. Um, all right. So 
The last film I want to talk about, and then let me know if there's anything else you want to discuss. This is the last film that I watched on Oscars morning. Okay. Um, I watched both Pinocchio and News of the World. Oh, God. Okay, uh, yeah. My last film. I knew that I wanted to save this one to last because it just felt like the perfect, like gentle film to bring me down that I wouldn't have to worry anything about. And I was pretty much right. It's a fairly standard, like kind of Western movie. Um, yeah, it, it's good. I, I won't say anything bad about it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, Tom Hanks is great. There's great effects. Pretty decent direction, but overall, just a nice, like, smooth, easy watch. Yeah, I, um, it was fine. That's all I feel about this movie. I, you know, it was a, a way that I spent, like, two hours. <laughs> uh, I I felt nothing for this movie. It, no. I didn't even think it was like a good, like contemporary Western. I don't know. It was fine. It was just fine. Like no. there's nothing like negative. I necessarily want to say, I just thought it wasn't particularly interesting. And the one thing I'll say that's interesting about it is that, like the, the framework around Tom Hanks's job, which is just like to read the news to people. Cause I've never seen that in a Western. That is before. interesting. Yeah. Um, and apparently that's something that happened. So that's, you know, that's something different. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> there wasn't a lot to be said about it. It was just, it was just a decent watchable movie. Yeah. It was like, was you know, fine. Nothing else. I don't really, whatever. News of the world. I watched it. I got nominated for some things. I'm done with it. I'll never think. I yeah. literally, after this episode, I'll never think about it again. So. It'll, it'll never come up in my brain. So, yeah. So, uh, well, it was, it was nominated for quite a few things, actually. Uh, best cinematography, best original score, best production design, and best sound. Um, I'd say all those things are perfectly fine. Yep. Perfectly <laughs> but fine. Probably not the best of any of the categories this nope. year. And indeed, it, did not win any of them. So it's just like, this was a good film, but not a great yeah. one. So there we are. Yep. Not a lot Basically. to say about it. And yet here we are discussing it. All right. Um, anything else you wanted to highlight before we get on to talking about the ceremony? No, not really. <laughs> uh, All right. The last movie I watched for this watch was the midnight sky. And I really did not enjoy that. So, mm. um, I will not. I like that one. I thought it was interesting. I thought but, it was the you know, most boring shit I had ever <laughs> watched. It was. It covered both Arctic exploration and space exploration. I honestly didn't even think the Arctic so. and space looked particularly great. Like I was like, I don't, mm. this is not a new look for any of these. There's nothing interesting about these. It's not that. I mean, like it's nice, I guess, but it's like, I've seen a million other movies that showed like basically these shots. So yeah, thanks. it was only nominated for visual effects and I would not have picked it for yeah. that category, so. but uh, yeah, I wasn't mad. I watched it. So it like, I just mm. thought it was the most tediously dull thing I could have. Like, it was just like, it was like, 
I don't know. Like it was like, you know, because it was my last Oscars watch, it was like going out with like a, a very like, you know, like a, a dud bomb. Like it was just like, like I was like, all right, well, here we are. We're watching this. And I watched it right after I watched the gallows act too. And honestly, I don't know which I had more fun watching. So, um, Ooh, yeah. Big slight to the midnight sky. Sorry. Yikes. Well, all right. Let's talk about the ceremony because we watched the ceremony together. Um, by now, everybody knows what happened. Yes. We're not we're not like a split second release podcast. Um, we were once. But... Remember that time we did an emergency pod by the Golden Globes? We did that once. Um, <laughs> that was the one thing we yeah. ever did when we talked about it. Uh, right as things happened. But uh, I'm just going to start at the bottom of the awards and work my way up. We'll talk about them. Um, well, first of all, let's just talk about the general vibe of the awards. Uh, it was weird this year, it was, right? Yeah. It was extremely <laughs> this is weird. weird. Um, so obviously, like, they're a lot more limited in what they're able to do this year because of social distancing and COVID-19 and everything. But... I feel like they should have made some choices to counteract that as opposed to just leaning in completely the opposite direction. Like, so they clearly had this small theater where only a few people were able to be there for the nominations, but instead of like playing it up with a lot of like pre-filmed clips and stuff like that, if anything, they use less clips this year than ever before. Like they didn't use clips from each of the nominees for each of the categories like they usually do. Um, and it felt really weird to just like, they just like list off the names and then be like, Oh, the winner is this like, yeah, very anticlimactic. It was extremely anticlimactic and weird. I don't know why they chose to do it the way that they did. I, yeah, I don't know. It, the, the tone was just all off. The whole night. It was a very. It was just a very uncomfortable. Way to put it all together. Like. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt weird. I felt like I, everything was awkward the whole time. Um, and that's not really what you want to feel when you're watching an award show. You don't want to feel awkward the whole time. No. Why don't we talk about some of the, the winners themselves? Um yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Tenet won for visual effects. Um, I thought that was just fine. It's, uh, for me... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have loved to see Love and Monsters win, but yeah. Yeah. For me, it was either that or Love and Monsters. And Love and Monsters just had such unusual creature designs. They were so creative and weird. Like, I, that was what I was pulling for. But, you know, Tenet seems like the more traditional pick i can see when that well, it definitely is that yeah. <laughs> yeah um sound of metal one for best film editing um I thought that was fine yeah yeah it's fine it seems like the classic sort of like film that gets under rewarded in the upper categories so you give them like editing or something right. uh, <laughs> but you know, editing editing and sound of metal was quite good. Was, yeah. So definitely definitely a deserved win there. Um 
But you know, I again, I could have seen it. I could have seen the father or Nomadland winning there as well. But they ended up winning bigger prizes, as we'll get right. to. So, Sound of Metal, good win for them. Um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom won Best Costume Design, um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of a weird choice. I mean, the costume design was pretty good. Yeah, um, I thought it was. I liked it. I didn't. I didn't dislike it. I guess I just personally but, thought like Emma had more costumes. Period. So it would have been like yeah. I, I feel like if you're gonna do best costume design, why not give it to the movie that like dealt with more costumes? Like <laughs> yeah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is such like a, a bottle type piece. Mm-hmm. Like everyone comes in for in, like on one day in one location. And like hashes out this the events of this film, and so they're all wearing the same things. Like the costumes are good, but each character only gets one. Right. Um, Emma just has such a absolute array of so many different costumes for so many different characters, and they all you know fit the period, fit the tone of the scenes mm-hmm. that they're in. Um, that would have been my pick, right. but also I thought. You know, Mulan was really like as much as I was not a big fan of that movie. Um, it had really interesting costumes, and again, like there's a lot of different contexts for the different costumes. In I the did film. like Mulan's costumes. I actually liked Pinocchio's costumes, and I don't, I don't love Ooh. Pinocchio. Yes, I will co-sign on but that because I did like Pinocchio's costumes. <laughs> I did like how a lot of them were a nod to like classic Italian theater as somebody who yeah. did study italian for years i actually do have some <laughs> some love for that sort of style and so, okay um, yeah, yeah I, I actually did really like pinocchio's costumes and i i would have loved to see a pinocchio win there too Basically, especially like i just liked that these other nominees so we've mentioned emma milan and pinocchio they all had a variety of costumes right yeah they covered a, a you know and characters changed costumes and things like that that didn't happen in Ma Rainey's. And though I liked Ma Rainey's Black Bottoms costumes, I thought they were quite good. I, you know, just would have liked to see one that went a little bit, you know, more dedicated to like costuming. Yeah. A bigger diversity of costumes, I would say. I especially liked about Pinocchio. They had all those puppets that were just the entire cast of the traditional Italian Commedia dell'arte. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they all like come running out at once. It's just like the funniest. It's really good. Thing. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. But yeah, I mean, and Ma Rainey's also won Best Makeup and Hairstyle. That I again. thought it very much deserved. That I, d- I like, picked it for. Like, <laughs> I would have been pulling for Emma, but like, this was probably more fitting because, like, the the transformation that they had on some of these actors, especially Viola Davis, was incredible. Yeah. Like, the, the makeup and hair sound was really good. Just so good. Film. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. I did really like Emma. Emma was my second choice there, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought Ma Rainey's was just really, 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 really well done. So that was always... There's good. also a lot of weird as shit makeup in Pinocchio. Pinocchio's makeup was also (laughs) quite good. I mean, that's not, I definitely good and very disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mank won for cinematography, 
which I think is all right. It's fine. I, mean, I think Nomadland should have won, but um, Nomadland had really, really beautiful cinematography, and I totally could have seen that one winning. And maybe I, I, I was probably, I probably would have been pulling for that one too. Um, Mank, you know, it's all black and white, so it's all about how you utilize the black and white medium. And I thought that it, Mank did a very good job of not just being like a color film shot in black and white, but a film that made use of the advantages of black and white. It was expressionistic. It took advantage of the dark contrasts and like putting things into sharp relief. Right. Um, so it was, it was interesting. Um, and it's, it's hard to make a film that is just in black and white that has impressive cinematography. And I think Mank pulled it It off. So maybe not my favorite cinema, photography film for the year but a very good one and in my mind a well-deserved win right um it also won for production design which um i don't know <sighs> like it's up against a bunch of movies that are based off plays first of all yeah. which is like i mean the the production design for the father was fairly impressive but also it was like kind of a obviously kind of a limited set right um, but i kind of like i kind of think the limited set of the father actually makes its production design more impressive because i i think there were a lot of elements of it like little changes from scene to scene where you're sort of in the same room but not because they've made little changes to the setting that's yeah. actually like really effective and I, th- I think a lot of the production design of the father was actually quite good so in terms of effectiveness, yeah. I actually thought the father's production design was some of the, the best. The production design is definitely a very key point of the film. I mean, other than obviously Anthony Hopkins' performance, his surroundings have a huge influence on the way the film goes and like how he right. feels like so, alternately at home and completely alienated. I guess it, it feels like the only movie where like that's like like a thematic element as opposed to just like an immersive element, right? Like, like Mank, Ma Rainey's news of the world and even tenant are all like the, the production design is just there to immerse you in the world. Whereas the father, the Mm -hmm. production design is actually there to do the opposite of immerse you in the world. Like it shapes (laughs) the narrative. It it disorients you and alienates you. Yeah. That's a good point. So, so I personally would have liked to see the father win just because I think it was a really effective use of production design. Um, and I prefer a good point. to see a movie win that's like not just doing it really well, because I actually agree that all five of those movies did all five of them had really good production design, but the father's the only yes. one that took production design and used it to make a, you know, to, to, to have a thematic point to, to make that's you feel point. something. Um, Tenet also Tenet I feel had like a bit of a good too. pick yeah. just for its scale yep. and like the yep. crazy impressive things it was able to do. And like those, those weird rooms that they designed where you like pass through one side and come out the other going backwards in time, like the proving window and everything I thought was really cool and interesting. Right. Um, so yeah, it ultimately not mad about Mank winning, but there's, there's plenty of arguments to be made for other ones. Yeah. Uh, best sound, <laughs> as we had hinted earlier, and we knew this was coming, it was Sound of yes. Metal. Um, 
Absolutely. Like, I mean, there was a lot of great sound in all of these films this year. And we've discussed most of them why the sound was so good. Um, but Sound of Metal is head and shoulders above all of them because sound is just almost a central character in the film. Um, and both the absence of and distortion thereof is extremely important to the way the story is told. So uh, how could it not be Sound of Metal? <laughs> I guess it goes back to what I said about production design. It used the Sound of Metal used sound as a thematic element. You know, yeah, it's really important and it matters. And I think that the winner should be a movie that does that. Um, so, yeah, Sound of Metal. What I completely agree with that choice. So, it's a good pet. Best original song, "Fight for You" from Judas and the Black Messiah. As you all know, <laughs> I personally was pulling for Husevic from Eurovision Song Contest, which is not a place that I expected myself to be in at the beginning of this Oscar contest. Don't wish your life away. <laughs> that movie didn't even come out. Wait, it did come out. It did come out in 2020. Oh, we'll discuss that. We'll discuss that. That was an original song. Um, but I mean, fight for you is great. It's a good song. I really did like it's fight fine. For you. Yeah, huh? It fits the song. It fits the tone of the movie just fine. But you know, it is a credit song. I actually liked. I really, really like Speak Now though. So I would have like really liked to see Speak Now win. But I liked Fight for You as well. So yeah, Speak Now is great yeah. too. It it's and it, it, like again, it's hard. It's hard to choose between great post credit songs because it's always like, all right, we're at the big emotional moment. And now this big important song comes in and you're like, yeah, that's great. But I feel like it stands out more if it's in the middle of the movie, like you can judge better. whether I it agree. Really it just feels like that like never is a thing. So, but in keeping with my thoughts on production design and sound, I agree. And Husevic should have won for that reason. Like, <laughs> Husevic fit the it's film. It's the then. only song from this list that was used thematically, and I think that matters. I really, I really feel like we should be doing this more. I need to, you know what? Somebody put me in charge of the fucking academy. We need to have a conversation. <laughs> Let's just like, can we just have a, a buzzed on movies awards and that be the premium, uh, pr the premier awards? I mean, I'm just tired uh, of like something like best production design going towards most production design. Like, mm. like, I don't care that Mank had the most production design. That's great. It really recreated like... an era of film that we all know. But like, like, Just the like father the did more with it. Editing. Yes. Well, Queen did. Queen had the most <laughs> editing. That was, that was fucking most chaotic. Most cuts per second. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to rag on fight for you because it was no, a good I song. Like, yeah, I want to be clear. It, it, it I fit the movie perfectly. And I think it absolutely deserves. We should award. just have oh, I just, two different song categories: best in credits original I, song and best in in movie original yeah. song. I mean, it just it like in my mind, it really is just so much harder to get a movie uh, to to get a song to fit the movie and be in the movie than to be in the credits. Yeah, I agree. We, and, and so often, so often the nominations are a bunch of credit songs, but, and it's been. It's never been more obvious than this year with it four out of the five are in the yes. credits. And often, often these movies do have songs in the movie. So I want to be clear. It's not just like, 
oh, well, some movies just don't use music in them. Often, the movies that get nominated do have other songs in the movies that are used in movie. They're just not the songs that are nominated because they're not original often. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on best original score soul one with John Batiste, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It's fair. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty fair. Is it, it was a good score. I thought it was really like, I mean, ultimately because of the way the film is, it's a very interesting score and that like half of it is like minimalist electronica and half of it is like pure jazz. Um, that's part of what makes it so good. And, like they did both. Yeah. Of both yeah. halves, <laughs> both halves are really good. Uh, I thought obviously it was interesting that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were also nominated for Mank. Yep. I thought it was really nice that they just let John Batiste talk the whole time. They didn't talk at all. They're they're veterans of the Oscar stage, and they let can him we, have his. Can we moment. take a moment to just reflect moment. on the fact that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are veterans of the Oscar stage? <laughs> I just need to like the it's, fact that you just said that is like my like like it's thirteen year old me is like what the <laughs> fuck is going on? What do you mean Trent it's Reznor a weird is a time veteran to of be the in, Oscar but, stage? <laughs> you know Trent Reznor, he's been here before. He's already well on his way to the EGOT, so. You know, but yeah, I, like I thought that was a good win. Soul had a great score. The only other thing that I might have been pulling for was Defy yep. Bloods. Love Defy Bloods. Terrence no. Blanchard, great score, and really the only the the only award they had a shot at winning this yep. year. And I thought that movie was just so it fucking was really good. good. Really, it should have won. I think something, the problem but... with Defy Bloods is that it got sort of forgotten in the mix i think that's it did i mean it's definitely one of the it's better than a lot of the movies that get nominated for bigger awards here it just it came out at the wrong time is all i'll say yeah this is a very unusual year for the oscars and uh being released just before the pandemic uh kind of hurts you uh all right best am in short if anything happens i love you fine um we talked about that film it's the school shooting one it was just fine uh not one of my favorites but also not something i disliked so yeah ah, it's all right yeah i get why it won so i can't complain yeah it makes it it fits the template of what they normally like to nominate it has an issue and it's well it has a currently relevant issue it's like a you know absolutely yeah so then Two Distant Strangers won for Best Live Action. Uh, I thought this was definitely going to happen, yep. so I was not surprised. Yep. Uh, it was also my favorite, so I wasn't disappointed either. Um, this is the classic, <laughs> again, the classic Oscar winner. Socially relevant, well-executed, timely. I mean, what else could you expect? This is this is going to win. Yeah. Um, and so it did. Yes. For the best documentary short, um, Colette won, uh, which I Green Book. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if I go Green Book far, but this was kind of surprising to me. Um, I didn't dislike this film. Like, if Hunger Ward and one, I've been like, oh my god. But also, I was like, I was just generally not very impressed by this film, and I thought. It did have some issues with it. Like it's about a Holocaust survivor 
going back to visit the camp where her brother died. And throughout a large part of it, it's clear that she doesn't really want to be doing this. They're just kind of like pushing her into it. It's extremely uncomfortable to watch in those moments. Like (laughs) it's like, I don't know like how great this film is, whether they're like pushing this woman through having these emotional I think that I think my problem with this movie was that her story is very important and should be told. But I don't know if she wants it to be told this way necessarily it didn't feel that she did from the movie (laughs) so she had pointedly spent her entire life up till then not visiting that site because she did not want to deal with it and the filmmakers kind of like cajoled her into doing it i don't know i don't i don't feel like they necessarily did anything wrong or bad because you know she made her own choices but at the same time, it's like, I don't know if this is like the best documentary short because like they got a Holocaust survivor to go visit the camps. Exactly. It just feels, coming back to the exploitative topic, it just feels a little bit like, okay, we're going to watch this Holocaust survivor go to a camp and like, it's going to be emotional and we're all going to be upset. And it's like, I don't know that this is the best way to depict this. Like, <laughs> there are better ways to tell these stories and like, forcing somebody back into the situation just for like a movie's sake like so i don't know i don't know all right best documentary feature the winner was my octopus teacher which i think we kind of i yeah uh that was my favorite i thought like it felt it felt like a strong candidate you know not necessarily the most socially relevant one so doesn't have that going for it, but it had like the lighthearted, happy documentary kind of feel that the Oscars sometimes like to reward. And so they did. Um, I was not disappointed with this win. I loved my octopus teacher, but um, yeah, I, I, I really like all the feature documentaries this year. Yeah. And it's hard to say that every year, but this year, like, I really like all of them. I feel like any of them could have had a chance of winning. So it was hard to say which one deserved one, but I was happy with my octopus teacher. I wasn't upset. I was kind of pulling for time, but in general, I was happy with my octopus teacher. I really liked it. I thought it was sweet. I was also kind of pulling for the mole agent just because the like the old man was there at the Oscars. Like it it was like the highlight of his life. He traveled all the way across the world during a pandemic just to, to go to the Oscars. But I hope he'd been he, vaccinated. The, yeah. There was a picture of him. Um, the, the the team from My Octopus Teacher let him hold the Oscar oh, for I a did photo see that. Yeah. And like he posted that to social media. And that was so cute. I was just like, that. That's this guy is like having the time of his life. Like just absolutely taking advantage of the moment. That's awesome. What a sweet be that, guy. yeah. Be that old, still be living it up, going to the Oscars. You know, that's fucking awesome. I love it. Um, for feature film, as we previously wait, mentioned, another round wait, one. You mean for best uh, international feature film? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> it's like for, uh... yes, another round one best picture as we know. Uh... Yes, for for best international feature, another round one. And let it be noted that 
we've been hyping up this film since before we covered it this as a Oscar standard shortlist. episode we covered this as just like <laughs> yeah. a normal episode wow so you're welcome ladies and gentlemen if you have been following along and watching the stuff that we have you got ahead of the crowd here um, yes i think another <laughs> round was very deserved um Though I loved Quo Vadis Aida, as we've discussed. And I yes. know you don't necessarily agree, but I loved Better Days. I fucking Ooh. loved it. I was not a I fan of Better Days. I loved that Better Days was like teenage fan fiction drama. Um, See, that was my problem. No, that's like exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know my movie watching habits. That's exactly up my alley. Yes. Um, that this movie was like. And you know what? This character must now move in with this gangster boy member who she met on the streets. And I'm like, oh my God, delicious. I'm here. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> I pointedly avoided mentioning better days yeah. in this, but yeah, it's it's a like it's a Chinese movie. It's a Hong about Kong movie. Hong Kong. Hong Kong, yeah, right. Um, how like this girl who's being bullied by her classmates in the lead up to like this big university exam like makes friends with this rough and tough type guy from the streets who protects her and then ultimately there's some uh, some legal troubles that pop out of that you should note that this movie um, like start it's like was a huge deal in china and hong kong like oh yeah it, it may it was a huge hit not just there. a hit but it's like Think of like the actors are like big names. Oh yeah, like, they were superstars before yeah, the they're movie. They're not. It's so not like, like it's not like when we have a movie and then the peop, the actors become stars afterwards. It's like we're talking like a yeah. movie that starred like Justin Bieber and like Kristen Stewart. Maybe I'm trying to think of somebody on the same like caliber. Maybe like <laughs> at like at the time. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. but like like these. Just like he, they're both huge pop stars in China. But I think it really um, shapes how I feel about this movie to know that personally, because it's like this was like one of those like teen drama type movies. It was like trying to appeal to a certain like group of viewers, and so for me, I'm just like, oh man, I love it so much more. Like that's fucking great. <laughs> like this movie was trying to appeal to them, and it's about like bullying in school and like the most ridiculous bullying you've ever witnessed in your entire life and like this like romantic plot where it's like we met because you were getting beat by a gang and i happened to be there and they made us kiss while after the gang they made us kiss after you got punched <laughs> and it's like hold on what the fuck is <laughs> and then i moved in with you for some reason and it's like why did you move in with him? I don't really know why you're living there, but like, <laughs> it's just like, that's like perfect. Like that's like fanfic. It's like, and suddenly I had to live with him because why not? Like, that's what all like archive of our own fanfics are oh about. Like, so well, that, it literally feels like that. And then like half of it is just like pure melodrama. God, I fucking love that. Shit. I, that's like my, that's like my but dream. For you. That's like a good thing. I'm like, I don't know. But yeah, that in fact that was probably my least favorite of the best international film. Oh, for me it was collective uh, category. But yeah. Oh, I like collective. I like them all. So me saying something was my least favorite is not a big. I liked all five of these movies. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Collective we did not discuss extensively, but it's a um, an extensive documentary on fraud and corruption in Romania regarding a big 
uh, nightclub fire that happened there and then the subsequent healthcare fallout of yeah. that incident. Um, very enlightening and interesting and very shocking. And uh, one of the more, like, I mean, as I said, there's a lot of great documentaries nominated this year. Um, still very interesting and able to stand with the rest of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like for me, I would have been, I, I was pulling for either another round or Quo Vada Saida, yeah. and I was, I, also, I was pretty I happy also that was, yeah. another I, round I was, pulling for um, even though I loved, I feel, I was pulling, for I feel like another round was on the way. However, it seems like now Hollywood is ready to completely remake this film. God, been don't get me started. That they're going to remake this movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. I was like, why? This movie's perfectly fine as it is. Just read the fucking subtitles. Or if you're going to remake it in English, just just get Mads Mikkelsen back. He speaks English just as well as anyone else. Leonardo can't <laughs> he's a, he's do the, I'll tell you, Leo actor. can't do those dance moves. So There's no way. No, There's no way he could dance like Mads can. That that guy pulled it out in that last Although, scene. Leo, it was crazy. When was the last time Leo was in a movie? Maybe it's about time, but like <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, maybe? Um, oh, I forgot about that movie. That was just a couple years yeah. ago. I can't think of anything big he's been I think since. We even talked about that movie. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Alright. Well, best animated feature. Soul. No surprise. Um that was like the experience. Pretty solid. I mean, I felt like if the the only possible upset would be Wolfwalkers. Yep. I was hoping for Wolfwalkers, but in my heart, I knew it wasn't going to happen. It was going to be Pixar, as always, and Soul won. And you know, I'm not mad. Soul was a great Very film. Good. Yeah, totally deserving. And I don't have a lot else to say about yep. it. <laughs> it was perfect. It was good. Yeah. Um, but one of these days, Cartoon Saloon's got to win. Like, yeah. they need it. Best adapted screenplay. The father. Um, I disagree with the father, but yeah. Interesting. I love the. Who do you I love the. I would have liked. I just would have liked to see the white tiger win, just because I wanted to see the white tiger win. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think. So first of all, I think like the father was an incredible adaptation. It was. I, I just mean, think there are other elements like, of it that got nominated and awarded, and that could have won, and we didn't need it to be the screenplay necessarily. Is my yeah. I, it was a great a great feat of adapted screenwriting, but I just I fucking love the White Tiger, so I agree with you that like it would have been great to see the White Tiger win. Um, as it is, it's understandable why it was the, the father. father would have been my um, my second choice for sure. I mean, yeah, definitely, yeah. Looking over the other nominees here, yeah, the father is my second choice for sure. Um, so I'm not actually mad about it. I just you know. It just seems like it, it's sort of an obvious choice because the the it's ba- the screenplay was based on a play and the movie feels like such a play. It feels like the obvious best adapted screenplay choice, and it's sort of like okay, we could have been more creative here. But um. yeah, best original screenplay, promising young woman. Um, I yeah, this- I. 
I'm glad that it won I, a big award. I don't know if I necessarily yes. would have picked it for this one, but I am glad it won one of the big awards. So I'm happy. I'm glad. It. Yeah. Cause I like, honestly, I was, I was worried that this would make it through the night without winning anything. I really liked promising Young woman. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. very interesting. Yeah. It's been very controversial and it's definitely not the sort of film that the Academy. It's definitely, it's definitely not the sort of film the Academy typically rewards. Yeah. So it was nice to see it win a major award. As always, best original screenplay seems to be the category where they're like, this film was really bold and interesting. We'll give it the screenplay award so we can give it nothing else. Basically. Yeah. Um, that's that's what this was pretty much um and i'm glad they won something yep so i'm definitely glad they won something i mean this was a phenomenal movie i thought it definitely deserved an oscar um so yeah i I was glad it won this i don't know if it if best original screenplay would have been my like top choice for this movie necessarily um (laughs) but you know i'm still glad it won if it you know. Well, it's like it's like if they if they couldn't have given it to Carrie Mulligan for best lead, this was probably the next best award they could have given. I thought Emerald Fennell so. did a really good directing job. I don't know. Directing. I thought her directing was phenomenal. Yeah, um, but also they they very rarely give a directing award without giving best picture, and this was never going to win best picture. It definitely wasn't going to win best picture. But I'd like them to. I'd like to see them separate the two. So I'm okay with absolutely. You know, so I'd like them. I'd like to see them separate a lot of these awards. Like that's like the biggest problem is that so many of these things tend to happen in groups that we'll see like it's one true. movie sweep like six awards and it's like we don't need that. We don't, that's not necarily. You have to like you have to like counter plan based on how like, the academy. It's also just like not stuff. how movies are. Like often a movie has the best of something, but it's like not good at these other things. And like, that's fine. That's totally fine. We can yeah. accept that. We can all accept that. I don't really know what the big deal is. So I just think that like promising young woman had a lot of like the direction was really good. I do think the screenplay was quite good. I think it was good for it to be nominated for sure. I don't know if I would have picked it, but it was nominated. Um, I think, yeah. I think the acting was phenomenal, but I also think like, the the editing was really good in that movie. I thought it was a really good editing movie and maybe it should have been uh-huh. like more heavily considered for editing. Like, I don't know. There are just like other things that I thought were really, really good about this movie and screenplay. I just don't like that. It was sort of like, obviously the like, Oh, we need to give it something award. Like, <laughs> so. I mean, honestly, best original screenplay for me is always a category that I really pay attention to because well, same, it's yeah. usually, it's usually the most clever and creative film it of the is, year. Yes. I mean, you think back to some of the movies that have won that, like Whiplash, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, but think about why some it's really always incredible, those, innovative films. But think about why it's always those movies. It's the movies where they're like, "Oh, we need to give this movie something because it was a big thing, but we don't want to yeah. give it some of these other awards." <laughs> like, well, I mean, that's just a sign. That's just a sign that like the Academy is not the place to always be looking for your film no, recommendations. Well, absolutely, absolutely agree with. But <laughs> absolutely, I just think that's a problem with the Academy. I don't like. I'm not saying that's a problem with the movie. I think that's a problem with the Academy. They need to like get their shit together because 
Yeah, but also it's 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 also the thing where it's like it's not necessarily a bug; it's also a feature. Like you can you can look at what's actually a good film by looking at the stuff the Academy under awards. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Go check out Promising Young Woman. Great fucking film. Way under awarded this yeah. year. Um, you can tell because they won best original <laughs> screenplay. Um. All right, so moving on to the acting categories, and we've we've hinted at a bunch of these already. Um, Yuen Ya Jung for Minari, yeah, um, absolutely fantastic. Yep. Just the perfect example of what I think of is a great supporting role, someone who's like not always there, but every time they're on screen, they're carrying the film, they're helping get its themes and ideas across and providing a really important and interesting performance. Yeah. I mean, the movie would not be the same without her. Um, yeah, this was absolutely the right choice. I think the only possible other option was Maria Bakalova. Um, and yeah. I'd even has, I mean, honestly, I don't know if Maria Bakalova even should have been supporting. I don't know. Maybe by the technical role she should have, but she was basically like a main actress in that movie. Um, there was a lot of weird like lead versus supporting yeah. categorization this year yes agreed yeah but maria bakalova was a specific like i was like she was like in a lot of that movie and <laughs> she was the most prominent female character by far yeah um, um but i do think maybe you... they try to put her there because they knew she wouldn't compete for best lead and that's true the the lead categories in this year were both lead categories were very stacked. That's not, you know, um, but yeah. So Yoon Yejong was definitely the right choice. I mean, she was just fucking great. I loved it. She was one of the most memorable aspects of that movie, which is saying a lot. That whole movie was memorable. So, yeah. Um, for best supporting actor, Daniel Kaluuya for Jews and the Black Messiah. Yes. Totally. I mean, <laughs> what else can you say? I, he was fucking fantastic. I really, I really like Leslie thought, Odom. <laughs> but yeah. Leslie Odom was so yeah. good. And honestly, I feel like there was a good chance that Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield were going to split the uh, Black Messiah vote and then Leslie Odom might win. But uh, I mean, Kaluuya, yeah. just undeniable this yeah, year. Yeah, he was. I mean, this but was a pretty Leslie Odom was so fucking this good. This was a stacked by category. Far I mean, if you look at this, the list, best part of that like, film, all of these performances were really great. Um, the yeah. only one where I was sure they wouldn't win was Sasha Baron Cohen. I knew he was not winning for Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah, that was not yeah, happening. That's true. I mean, I was pretty sure Paul Racy wasn't winning for Sound of Metal, but I thought he was so good that it was like it wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility his was an interesting and unusual performance especially for like a first time actor like yeah, him i thought i thought he was really um, good i didn't think he would win but it was like one of those performances where it was like well it was so good that like maybe if the academy's feeling weird and people split the award <laughs> in other ways you like, never know yeah, yeah you never know um, something coming out of not left field. like best yeah, supporting where i really best supporting actress where i really thought there were only two options i really thought the other three were not real mm -hmm. so well yeah i mean daniel kalia it he seems like the obvious choice he gave a great speech at the oscars he's fantastic i mean um totally an academy award winner 
he's gonna he's probably gonna win best lead one of these he days will. soon yeah. very soon um and honestly like just because of the way the categories were set up he probably should have been up for best lead this year but um i think they purposely put him in that category because they knew how things are gonna break yeah, in the it's best really actor not category. clear why the that performance was not a best just actor <laughs> so it's just like it was a weirdly set up movie yeah. you know like because there's a lot of shared time between the black panthers and between the fbi so like nobody really is a lead in that film so i can kind of see why they managed to put things that way right. but i think they probably could have argued it the other way too i think they just knew that that was the best way that they had a chance of winning awards. Right. So, yeah. Um, best actress, Frances McDormand for Nomadland. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. <laughs> I mean, I she was not bad in Nomadland. She was great. Um, I kind of felt like Viola Davis might win. I thought uh, Viola Davis gave a better perform. I mean... Frances McDormand was quite good and Nomadland is basically a perfect movie. And I, I get that because there's, there's nothing bad you can say about Nomadland. There's no, like, I just don't understand how anybody could have an actual criticism of that film. Um, <laughs> I liked it. Like, yeah, um, I, I thought it did exactly what it was supposed yeah. to. And Frances McDormand was like a perfect encapsulation of what she was supposed she's, to be. She's perfect. Like, I mean, but I think Viola Davis is, I mean, I just think Viola Davis worked harder for that role. I gotta say, like, I think she, she put in more effort and did a better, like bigger performance. And sometimes that matters. Like sometimes it matters that your performance is just like purely bigger. Like, cause Viola Davis was yeah. doing a whole lot more to be Ma Rainey than Frances McDormand did in Nomadland, which is not about, I mean, not a knock against Frances McDormand. It's a different type of movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she, uh, Frances McDormand was absolutely fantastic. She's and great. she yeah. performed admirably and did her role to a T exactly what she needed to do. So absolutely. She deserved it, but also like she has, <laughs> Uh, gradually been like encouraging people not to give her awards recently. (laughs) Like I, I don't feel like she campaigned very hard for this Oscar. She didn't really want it, but she, you know, obviously so many, any interview with her and know she doesn't really care if she gets them. (laughs) Someone gives you a best acting Oscar. You're going to take it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I just think that like she's, she feels it feels like she's kind of done with the whole the awards Oscars thing. thing. Yeah. And I, I think that's right. And, you know, I think, I mean, not that the Academy has to listen to what the performers necessarily want. I mean, like, cause like I would agree that yeah. like if somebody just turns in the best performance of the year, it doesn't matter how many times they say, Oh, I don't need awards. They should still get it. 
Um, they gave Joaquin Phoenix the best uh, acting Oscar, despite the fact that he, for years he's like openly stated that the Oscars are stupid and that he hates them yeah. and he doesn't want anything to do with them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, they will ignore the intents of the actors if need right. be. So, you know, whatever. But I, yeah, I don't know. I just think that context sometimes matters and like Frances McDormand clearly didn't really care and did she really need a best actress award I don't know and did Viola Davis I think Viola Davis does want one and like deserves one you know like so I don't know I think I think it would have been nice to see her win uh for this because I think she did such a good job as Ma Rainey here yeah I I do think the I do think the other actresses it's worth noting this was like a hard category in a lot of ways because even though Andre Day was in a bad movie, Billy she was great as Billie Holiday. Um, she was so like, perfect. She was, she was like shockingly it was fucking amazing. And like, and the singing was yeah. really yeah. good. Like the, the and also like she has never acted yeah. before, and the acting was good yeah. too. Like she she had the whole she was by far the best part of the movie, and she was the most inexperienced. Yeah actor and that, that like that was movie. like i mean that was like a revelation because that was not a very good movie it was poorly constructed the pacing was terrible and it was like typical biopic shit but like yeah she was fucking phenomenal in that movie and it was like wow that was not what i was expecting um and then like vanessa kirby and carrie mulligan we've already talked about were just like both really great like just like classically great um so it was like this was a hard category. This was a, a tough yeah. one. Um, so I don't know. It, it's hard to choose, but up against this category, I just really feel like Viola Davis was a clear choice. Like, you know, you have some classically great performances. You have Andre Day, who's really good, but in a bad movie. And I'm wary of awarding people in bad movies. That's just like a rule I have. You know, Francis yeah. McDormand, who just like not that you have to dock points when somebody doesn't want it but she clearly doesn't want it so like why bother like i don't know why give an award to somebody who doesn't want the award so (laughs) i don't know well yeah ultimately not something i was super disappointed in yeah but not disappointed could have seen could have seen it breaking another way that that's what i'll say um all right best actor this was Definitely the most controversial pick of the night. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins won for the father. Everybody thought it was going to be Chadwick Boseman. We've been hyping it up for months that it was going to be Chadwick Boseman. And in fact, the Academy themselves moved this award to the last of the night because they thought it would be Chadwick Boseman. And then it wasn't Chadwick Boseman. First of all, it's the most embarrassing thing the Academy has ever done. It was extremely unfortunate to view and in retrospect extremely unfortunate to consider it was so uncomfortable it was like all of a sudden like not only the fact that they like the last award of the night and they're like it's anthony hopkins not chadwick boseman but then like they're like oh yeah and he's also not here so the award show's over and then it ended and it was just like what fuck right (laughs) Let me be clear, like Anthony Hopkins, as we mentioned, had a fantastic performance. Yes. 
And I also thought, like, after seeing that performance, I was like, oh, man, there's a good chance he's going to win. So I don't begrudge him that win at all. Like, I think he totally deserved it. No, I actually think Um, that in any other year, it would not even be controversial. Anthony Hopkins would win, like, and and it wouldn't even be a question. People would have gone into the show thinking, Hopkins is going to win this. This was fucking I mean, if if you look at the performances as they are, like... Chadwick Boseman had an incredible performance, but he was not like the only thing that was going on in that film. There was a lot else going on in Ma Rainey's. He had an important role to play, but he wasn't like the big shining star. Like Anthony Hopkins was the one thing basically that the father hinged upon and he knocked it out of the park. So, yeah, I do think in any other year, situations being different with Chadwick Boseman still alive, Anthony Hopkins would be the obvious favorite. Um, as it is, you know, it seems obvious that the Academy should want to give him a posthumous Oscar. Is credit for all that he's done and for all that he might have done if his life hadn't been tragically cut short. And I agree with that. Like, I I think that there's definitely a case to be made for that. He should have won that. But at the same time, it's like, if you're literally looking at the best performance of the year, it's harder to say, right. You know, Hopkins did a really great fucking job and you can't begrudge him for winning an award when he did that fucking well. You really can't. Yeah. It's just, it's just really disappointing to see somebody's greatest Chadwick Boseman never get a chance to win the Oscar. Right. And it's especially disappointing the way that they framed it, like putting it as the last award of the night as like, Oh yes, it's obviously going to be Chadwick Boseman. They're going to be put it, go out on a big dramatic note. So he's like won this incredible award, even though he's dead. And then it's not him. And then there's like, oh shit, <laughs> end it, end it. It was literally the most uncomfortable thing I've ever had to sit. Like, I mean, we, remember when we were sitting there watching it and we were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, because they, they did like best picture before they did this. And we were like, wait, this can't be real. They can't be doing best picture. Before. Yeah. And like, and we were all like, is this really the best picture nominees? It's wait, what's going on right now? What's happening? And then, they did it, and then they got to Best Actor last, and we were like, what the? <laughs> like, it just... <laughs> we're like, oh, it must be because they're going to give Chadwick Boseman the Oscar. And they're like, wait, what? I mean, that clearly was why. And then it's doubly weird, because in the aftermath, we found out that, like, Hopkins offered to, like, offer a speech and, like, give a, like, virtual speech, and they told him no. And, like... That's fucking weird. That's weird. That's real. Like you should have planned for the the possibility that Bozeman would not win. Like, I'm sorry. You just should have. And like, I get that you didn't because it seemed like a given to all of us, but clearly that was not the case. And I don't know why you wouldn't plan for that. Like it was strange. And and like, it's not like this was a entirely unexpected eventuality. Like obviously everyone thought Bozeman was most likely to win, but I was seeing a lot of Oscars pundits talking about how like, um, Anthony Hopkins was making like a big surge at the last minute in some of the 
other major awards. So like people had to have at least considered this as a possibility. They should have. And like, (laughs) it's unfortunate for Anthony Hopkins too, to be like, he had to like wake up the next morning and be like, Oh, suddenly everyone hates me because like someone else was supposed to win this award, but I did. It's not his fault. And he, he he had that video where he was like, I'm extremely grateful to everyone. And like, like extremely respectful of, of Chadwick Boseman and all that he's accomplished. And it's just like, it's a weird position for him to be in like accepting this award after everyone obviously wanted someone else to win it. But it's like, no one should, no one should have to go through that. And I feel like the way that they announced things, they made it kind of worse. They did. But (laughs) that's, so that's, that's probably the biggest controversy from all the Oscars. I actually don't think there's a probably there. I think that's definitely the biggest controversy. Yeah, by far, by far, Anthony Hopkins winning for The Father, an incredible performance, absolutely deserving of a Best Actor Oscar, but at a very controversial time for him to win such a thing, especially Chadwick Boseman. What an incredible career. If anything, I feel like Chadwick Boseman should have won for his role in The Five Bloods. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he gave a great supporting performance in that. He should have been up for that at least. Yep. I would agree. With Come that. on. The five bloods underrecognized. Let's reevaluate that one. That's a problem. All right. Two last categories. Same film for both of them. Chloe Zhao and Nomadland win best director and best picture. I think this was the right choice. I think this was easily the right choice. Almost. Um, yeah. Just it, it's a good pick. It's a really good pick. I mean, like, just an absolutely beautiful movie. Such So interesting from start to finish. Direction is absolutely at center stage the entire time. The way that everything's put together. Um, and, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't Trial of Chicago 7. <laughs> so, Not that I really thought I don't that think- was a big big concern but yes i'm very glad it was not there that was there i i'm telling you there was that fear in my heart but the way things worked out i'm i'm super glad nomad land one was great film great direction from chloe Zhao. um she's gonna be a huge force in directing going she's forward directing she's a about to make movie. a marvel <laughs> film um, um not that, so not let's that see that how actually i mean we all know Marvel strips that's, you of your, <laughs> your directorial voice, but um, that's when you know you've made it. Chloe Zhao has apparently been teaching them over at Marvel that you can shoot things on location, <laughs> and like actually have them look good. I mean, they don't know that, so that's actually a really. Good They've answer. been shocked and appalled, but maybe maybe she'll like inject a little sensibility and lifeblood over she's there. The Eternals, right? So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess it could be. I mean, I'm definitely interested. I've just not been like, like Edgar Wright also did a Marvel movie, and you couldn't tell from the Marvel movie. Well, but. he got kicked off a yeah, Marvel movie did, halfway he did a, through. A big chunk of the Marvel movie. 
Um, yeah. You can't really tell. Well, but that's that's the whole criticism of the Marvel movies right there, is that if you're like an innovative, original director with a vision, that they just don't let you do that. And if you try to push back, they kick you off yeah, the project. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and yes, somebody else takes I agree, over. and I think that's very true. And I, I think that's like both a valid criticism and also not a valid criticism, because I, I think it's totally fine if the Marvel movies want some like uniformity among the movies i think that's totally like fair um but also like depends to what extent shouldn't select these directors then if that's what they want to do like that's my my feeling on that they shouldn't select well yeah i mean that's part of the thing is they want they want the cred of like having the hot new directors who are known for being innovative but then they want them to toe the line and do the corporate thing I, so I we'll see. I, I mean, I, Marvel has it, some leeway right now. Like, if they want to let Chloe Zhao just like run buck wild with the Eternals, they could because people are going to see it. No yes. matter what. If there's any time where Marvel can just do let people do whatever, now is the time. Like, let let's get these innovative directors in there and just let them I do whatever feel they like want. That would, that would be my move. I agree. Although, and also, I'm thinking that could have been truer before the pandemic. When you didn't have to, when like, I think audience turnout is going to be like lower no matter what we do. You don't have to make back billions of dollars well, all the time. Well, I also just think Who fewer knows? people are going to go see movies in theaters after. Yeah. I think that's just going to happen and we just need to accept that. Um, but yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see her impact on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Yeah. But. I'm looking forward to it. I do think I think Nomadland was a was a well deserved win both for her and for the picture, um, and yeah, yeah, it's a good film. It's a great film, and it, it was one of my favorites. It's a good one. I, I thought it was excellent. Um, it's a good one to add to the the oeuvre of um, best picture winners. It's so, honestly one of the more interesting and weird best picture winners that has ever won, like. You know, often yeah. Best Picture is sort of like a pretty obvious choice. This was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if anybody seeing Nomad Land, I don't know. It's just like kind of weird. It's such it's a, a small, small and personal yeah. film. That's what's, yeah. It's, it, that is kind of unusual. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it gets evaluated going yeah. forward in that regard. Like, you know, so often the, the Best Picture winner is something much bigger than right. this. But having something that's just like so personal, like she was shooting this in a, like a fucking electric powered van yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the desert, yeah. like for months at a time. That's wild. Right. That's incredible that we have a best picture that was filmed that right. way. Um, it's very unusual. So I'm, uh, I'm excited by this. This is an interesting move. Yeah. And that is our Oscars for this year. Um, we've been through quite a journey. <laughs> we have, but we, saw we didn't think we'd make it sometimes. Yeah, we did see them all. We did it. We are, as always, the foremost Oscar expert, Oscar experts of the world. You're welcome, America. You're welcome. So before we close out, Blumhouse fantasy. Ah! 
<laughs> We've been talking about this movie so much the last few weeks slash months. I don't know why. It's just, it's like one of those things like, um, God, what's that stupid ass horror movie in the amusement park? Um, um Hellfest. 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 <laughs> It's like one of those things that just like lodges in our brain. It just like slowly builds. And it's like, I've got to watch this. And we're like, it turns into a meme where we're like, oh, we're going to watch Blumhouse Fantasy Island. Yeah. Well, guess what, folks? We did it. We rewatched Blumhouse Fantasy you Island. Broke us. You can go back and listen to this in our incredibly confusingly titled episode. Which is named B O P A T F E O O H Q T L B F I B T B two. Um, it's just a bunch of the movies that we reviewed that week, but a lot of them are very strange, and this movie is very strange as well. This movie is just so abundantly, unapologetically strange. I just like it. It just has latched onto me. It's so yeah, fucking yeah, I weird. I want to be clear that you started this and like. <laughs> it, I've been encouraging you've been this. Like talking about Blumhouse Fantasy Island for so long, and like, <laughs> I was like something like I just like can't do it, and so. But then you watched it, and like you were like Snapchatting it, and the next night I was like, I must watch this movie immediately. And like, see, here's the thing. I knew that you would, yeah. <laughs> if I if I made it into a big enough thing, I knew that you, you would. You were like, I'm gonna do this, and I and you mentioned like the the Blumhouse Fantasy Island cave water, and I designed a cocktail based on the Blumhouse Fantasy Island <laughs> cave water, um, which is terrible. That's a terrible thing. Um, <laughs> That's where you're at. I want- like. I just watched a movie. You made a you I made, made a, a custom, whole custom cocktail. cocktail based on this movie, and I watched the whole movie while drinking this cocktail. And you know what it did? I ended up staying up till sunrise after watching this movie, <laughs> like because that's the effect this movie had on me. I was just like, this movie I'm is deeply damaging. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Jeff Wadlow has an incredible power. We're super excited to see what he does next. We hope he'll make a Saw movie. Um, saw. <laughs> he's gonna be involved but, in the saw series that they're talking about right more now. than anything i was just like so shocked when i got to the end of this movie and realized for the first time mind you because i've seen this film before i realized for the first time that this movie ends with an original song <laughs> <laughs> don't wish your life away from the motion picture soundtrack of blumhouse oh, fantasy no, no, island no. Uh, um, 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 it's uh, it's like it's something. It's like if the script wrote an original song, you know the script from <laughs> the people who sing, because when a heart breaks, no, it don't break even. It's like that kind of music. Like, um, I just like I can't believe this film ends with an original song, but especially an original song that's like. It seems like it's meant to be like hopeful and uplifting where this is like a weird ass horror slash thriller movie. Remember how the, the writer of the song, the songwriter got flown out to Hawaii to watch them do some filming. And then he was like, and so I wrote this song while I was out there watching them film. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, 
I was like, God, I wish that was my job just to but get also, flown out to a tropical island. what part of watching island. this filming process made you write Don't Wish Your Life Away? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, this is ridiculous. It's extremely I absurd. do, I do want to know, like, his whole thought process behind that. So, you know, Jared Lee, if you're out there listening... Please come on the pod. We really have to discuss Blumhouse Fantasy Island. We'll give you a whole episode to discuss this. Um, we're really befuddled. This was this this movie really broke both of us. I mean, I was like, I I lost myself for like a good three or four days yeah, after this basically. film. Uh, <laughs> and I know you like it. I even managed to get to bed earlier than you did. You were like up all night after watching. I this was movie. up till sunrise um, after watching this. <laughs> I don't know how to describe the effect this film has on people. All I can say is it's fantasy Island friends. It's in the water. It affects you. It's so be careful. <laughs> if you drink the water, you'll get a fantasy too. Um, you know what? That's, my fantasy is that your fantasy goes wrong. <laughs> um, so much of this movie makes no sense. It really, it really does. Like, there's no point in dissecting the plot because there's no, there's no, there's no sense to it. Dude, whose fantasy is to die for other people. Um. <laughs> there's literally a cop who's like, I wish I could be shooting more people and dying in the line of God, duty. Fucking amazing. Um. It's 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 really something, folks. All right, so that's where we're at now. We've made it through the Oscar season, and now we're just watching absolute nightmare garbage. Um, yes. But we're hanging in there. We're trying to make it through till uh, the release of Spiral from the Book of Saw, which is coming up that's soon. Like, literally, like less than two weeks from now, isn't it? I'm so fucking hype. I'm like, I'm losing my mind over the prospect of this movie. It's going to be so good. We're definitely going to be covered on the podcast. So look out for that. It'll be like going full and, ham when we cover that on the podcast. Oh, I'll probably yeah. be like doing shots on air and like, just be like, <laughs> fuck it. Um, so. Spiral. I'll like write a like glam rock spiral song. And we'll definitely make some custom spiral cocktails. Well, until next time, you know, find us on all the major platforms, leave us a review on Apple iTunes, and if you want to get in touch with us, Buzzed On Movies on Twitter and BuzzedOnMovies at gmail.com. And, you know, just let us know what you thought of the Oscars and what you're doing to cleanse your mind from this season. And, as always... We'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the movies. You jealous little fucks. <laughs>